0: Bernie and sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty, sound of their breath fades with the light. I think about The loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Lower the curtain down Memphis Lower the curtain down Alright I got no time private consultation Under the Milky Way tonight Wish I knew what you were looking for Might have known what you would find and
1: The church which makes a whole lot of sense today as we get set to head on over for a beautiful, massive ceremony for my friend Bernard McGurk. Coming up at 10 o'clock this morning at the world's most beautiful cathedral, St. Patrick's Cathedral, just blocks away from these palatial studios on 5th Avenue. That is coming up this morning. So this song, which you usually play for Miranda Devine, because this band is out of Australia, the song Under the Milky Way is the church and that's where we're going today so thank you for that Lou Ruffino on this Wednesday morning a celebratory day I mean man we've been crying for months and months and months like I've said um, a bunch of times the last couple of weeks a lot of you um, started to cry when Bernie died he died on October the 6th he died the, uh, the night we broke the fast from Yom Kippur and um, it's been a rough couple of weeks for you folks uh, for folks like me and his family and folks close to him, we've been doing this now for basically 11 months. So today, I hope at least, is more of a celebration. We have a bunch of speakers at the church today. I think I saw some of them. Bo Dietl, Curtis Slewa Bill O'Reilly, me obviously, Chad and John and others. And hopefully it's more of a celebration than a tear fest. The funeral, which I was at, out on Long Island, I was a mess. So was Bo, so was Breeny. And then the cemetery, of course, was very difficult, too. But hopefully today, with thousands and thousands of colleagues and friends, family and uh, listeners, hopefully today folks really concentrate more on the great life that Bernard lived and how, how, how much he really impacted all of us on a positive level more than he's gone, because I still can't believe that. So that's coming up later on today. There'll be a cast of thousands walking in and out of these studios all morning long leading up to it. Now, for you, I'm his fans. This is special. I'm bringing him back today, folks. 30 minutes coming up at 8 o'clock with the great Charles McCord. He was here, of course, during that 6-hour, 15-minute tribute that we did uh, two Wednesdays ago. Charles McCord coming back today, me and Charles. It'll be just us from 8 to 8.30. But throughout the morning, live in studio, everybody from Peter King, Joseph Aboud, Corey Zelnick, to the man sitting to my left who had to be very, very proud of what he saw last night. Lee Zeldin did this show yesterday morning, the only radio show he did all day, folks, at 8.40. And we had a great 16-minute conversation. And after it was done, I said, Lee... You are ready. You are ready. And if you watched that debate last night, and I watched all 64 minutes of it on New York One, where, by the way, Errol Lewis and the other lady were not bad. In fact, they made life difficult for Hochul. Almost every question. They brought up corruption. They brought up crime. They were not awful last night, and I can't stand Errol Lewis. But I'll give him credit, because I'm an adult. When credit is due, they were not terrible. But Lee stepped up last night. And as a sports guy, most of my career, you go back to Super Bowl twenty-four when Joe Montana and the Niners blew out the Denver Broncos 55-10. to 10. You can go to Mike Tyson, Michael Spinks, when I and Mike knocked them out in 28 seconds. Any one of those events, none of those were as lopsided and one-sided, in my opinion, as the Lee Zeldin-Kathy Hochul debate last night. He demolished her. But the man to my left, again, one of the three impressive men who ran against Lee in the primary, Rob Astorino, Harry Wilson, and my man, Andrew Giuliani, he has his own opinion on it. So with that said, here he is, my dear friend, Andrew Giuliani, his father, of course, Rudy, the great mayor, on this station every day at 3 o'clock. Andrew and I spoke right after the debate last night. He called me, and I told him right then and there, that was a very impressive knockout win
2: For Lee Zeldin, your thoughts on what you saw last night, Antoine. good morning, pal. Good morning, and first and foremost, let me just say the job that you've done honoring your friend, Bernie, and WABC has done honoring Bernie over the last three weeks uh, has been amazing. As somebody who listens to this show, is a fan of this show, uh, as well as having the honor to be a guest and having had the honor to have been a guest when... Bernie was uh, such an integral part, still is such an integral part of this show. Um, It's really been uh, amazing. And and I've told you this multiple times in private. I've said this on the air. But you guys have created a community here at WABC. But throughout New York, and I think that's one of the things as a candidate you see each day, and I can't, I can't tell you how many times people would tell me morning the morning I'd go on Bernie and Sid, the day after, a couple days afterwards, I heard you on Bernie and Sid. Uh, so you guys are an integral part, and you guys continue to honor Thank Bernie's you. legacy in an amazing way. Thank you. Uh, Thank as you. for the debate last night, as I know Bernie was up in heaven watching this, uh, yeah, I think it was pretty obvious, and uh, Lee made this very clear. You mentioned Errol Lewis before. There was actually one point where... Zeldin actually said, I'd love to go another hour. And Errol (laughs) Lewis said, You're right. And, you know, I mean, it was like, it was almost like the one time where he was like, Hey, you're right. I can't, you know, but uh, you're absolutely right. It was very obvious that. You have the status quo in Kathy Hochul, which is crime continuing to go down through the roof. I know you've got clips on all this stuff, but she said, I don't know why crime is that important to you. How crazy is that? Well, leave it right there, because that was the quote that is, as Andrew uh, throws it out there, on the
1: cover of today's New York Post. Give them zell instead of give them hell. Hochul says she does not get why crime is so important in the governor's debate. And if you missed it, here it is, Louis, the great Lou Rufino. This is... um, you look like the kid, by the way, in um, what was that movie, uh, Flatliners, the kid who wore the, uh, the hoodie and started beating up Kevin Bacon on the train about a million times. Yeah, like John. Like that's
3: the one you think. Yeah, of. That's Are it, you the yeah. John
1: Fetterman of <laughs> W.A.B.C.? Yeah, yeah, John Fetterman, even better. Right. Uh, cut number 41. Here, Governor Kathy Hochul, to Andrew Giuliani's point, actually says to Lee Zeldin, why is crime so important to you?
4: This governor, who still, to this moment, we're at, what are we halfway through the debate, she still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone who
2: commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change we made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you.
1: What? I don't know why that's so important to you. Now, unfortunately, when you do TV and radio, trust me, Andrew, I say unfortunately, stuff gets
2: out there, it doesn't go away. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think she'd probably like to take that one back, don't you?
2: Absolutely. I can tell you that when I was preparing for the gubernatorial debates, right, you go in there, there are no notes that you have, right? You have a blank sheet of paper. And what I would do at the very end, probably two minutes before, which, by the way, it's quite an adrenaline rush, like that last 30 seconds before you're going to go on. Because yeah. It's just you, your thoughts, everything that you've put into this right here. You you nervous? see Were Lee nervous? came out. Oh, yeah, you're nervous, yeah. but you're excited. You're hyped up, right? I mean, it's probably the same thing when you got your first big break in radio. It's the same feeling. Same feeling if you came out of, a, out, of the, out of the tunnel for a football game. It's that same amazing feeling that you get the adrenaline just going through there. But when I ended up going and preparing for the debates, the last thing that I would write on my paper was crime. The economy, education, right? Just those three words right there, knowing that those are the issues that New Yorkers care about. It's been saying, if you look at the polls recently, 28% of New Yorkers say crime is the issue that they are going to vote on. Another 20% say it's the economy. Guess what? Lee Zeldin is winning that 48% chunk. It's a matter of whether he can get another 3%. It's that simple. Kathy Hochul doesn't know why it's so important to Lee Zeldin. Well, guess what? She doesn't know why it's so important to the 19.5 million New Yorkers that are telling her, guess what? Get your head out of the sand and start paying attention to the problems that are going on in our streets, on our subways. Uh, But that's what you're getting with Kathy Hochul, somebody that thinks accountability to New Yorkers means one debate on Spectrum News for one hour. Well, I'll tell
1: you what, after watching that debate last night, Uh, She made the right move. (laughs) She she don't want to do that again. I mean, she got bludgeoned by Zeldin last night. We knew coming in she was going to seize on Donald Trump. She has one question to ask Lee Zeldin, and the question she asks is not about New York. She's running for governor of New York. The one question was, do you think Donald Trump was a good president? So she seized on Trump all night. She talked about those gun laws time and time again and abortion. We knew all this coming in, Andrew. But you would think if we knew that, she knew we knew that, and she would maybe, maybe change course just a little and try to fight fire with fire when it came to crime, corruption. She did nothing. She had those two or three talking points. She tried to malign Lee Zeldin all night long. She had zero plans
2: to fix these issues and to Lee's credit while she kept saying, you don't have a plan He lit up planets all night long. Absolutely. And actually, as a matter of fact, I would say the very first couple of minutes, Lee was moving so fast because he was trying to get five hours of debate within one hour. You could see his cadence kind of after the second answer really kind of slowed down and got in there. But. He was trying to get as many points out as possible because he has so many plans on crime, which, by the way, let's be honest about this. This is about making sure that our cops and he said this, making sure we back the blue. We actually lock up criminals. We repeal cashless bail. We actually set an emergency order on this. Uh, and, And that's where Lee's been on all this stuff. And he's been talking about this for the last 18 months. I can tell you, as a competitor, I heard about it. I've seen it now as a supporter of his. And he has a plan starting on day one. And that includes making sure that we're safe on our subways. It includes making sure that he's working to make sure the mayor has... That the mayor is pressured to do what he needs to do in New York City, but it's yeah. all across the state as well. Kathy just does not no. have any plans. Nobody. And it shows also that she is actually controlled by the radical left because the fact that she would not actually go into these plans shows that she's controlled by her base, which right now, unfortunately, it's the Carl Hasties. It's the Andrea Stort cousins. It's the AOC's and Andrea Biagi's of the world and and. They're the ones that are not coming with any kind of answers. You know, you mentioned Eric Adams, and I think the mayor is going to be at this. uh, In fact, I know
1: he will be. He'll be at the mass today. Mm -hmm. And I have a dinner reservation coming up on November the 10th with the mayor. Mm -hmm. He's going to sit down with me, and I'm going to tell him what he's doing wrong. It's going to be a very, very long dinner, by the way. But uh, (laughs) on a serious note, uh, there is hope for Eric in this respect. If he is surrounded by the right people, I think, I don't know Mm -hmm. this, but I think He can do a better job. And Kathy Hochul is not that person. She's a Democrat. All she does is he conforms. He sticks to what she says because he's a Democrat. Now you bring in an opposite player, Mm -hmm. a Republican, and a guy that really wants to fix this city. And I think you have the opportunity, if Lee Zeldin wins, for Eric Adams to change and become—he's not there now—and become an effective mayor. While Hochul is there, or any Democrat in
2: power, he's going to do what he's doing, which is nothing. You bring in Lee Zeldin, that could make Eric Adams even better. Eric Adams is not a leader. He's a follower. And I think that's what you've seen so far with him going up to Albany and not actually getting anything done with cashless or At a time when he had maximum leverage. Think about this. He's the mayor. When the governor is in an election year, he is not up for three and a half months, and he can't get anything done when he goes up to Albany. That's when you have your maximum leverage. You can't get it done then. You're not going to be able to get it done. But but I didn't think you would be able
1: to get it done. But what I wanted to see, and Bernie would say the same thing, is come back and get pissed. You know, say, "Hey, Kathy Hochul, I'm not going to endorse you." Hey, Stewart Cousins. Hey, Heasty, help me out here. I'm trying to run this city. You're killing me. I didn't think he'd get anything done because he doesn't really have the power.
2: But at least come back and be pissed. No, you could you could get it done by holding endorsements like that. That's right, what I think. Right. I really think he could have actually gotten it done by going up there and saying, "Hey, guys, this is I got elected because." Uh, crime is such a problem in New York City. This is the number one priority to me. It's not playing buddy-buddy with Democratic politics again. Now, if you want to say, well, Democratic politics and, and playing buddy-buddy with, with them is a priority, then no, he's, of course he's not going to get it done. Then he's going to come back, he'll do a press conference, and he'll get pissed about it. But if you want to actually talk about a real change agent, a real leader, that's not Eric Adams. But I think you may be right. If Lee Zeldin is the governor, what it will allow Lee to do is— Eric can, in some ways, point to Lee and say, he's the bad guy up in Albany. He's the leader who's getting stuff done. I'm still accepted at my Democratic cocktail parties. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and 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 he can actually get a little bit of credit for actually yeah. what's going on I think right that there. So, I think that may happen. that may
1: happen. So there were two moments last night. One, you're very, very smart. Uh, we know that, Andrew. And very instinctive. You know... My wife adds ass to the end of that. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Lee Zeldin, I think, not once but twice last night, made the point that on January 1st, New York is open for business, and he threw in Baby, which was so hot. I had a lady tell me last night, I never thought I would say this before, but Lee Zeldin is actually hot tonight because he came off so smart. Uh, secondly, did you think Lee Zeldin was hot last night? Is that what you thought? I did. I did. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would have slept with Lee Zeldin last night if he was that good. But I love this part, too, Andrew. I and wonder if you feel the same. They ask that stupid question. You know, if you lose the election, are you going to be okay with that? Are you just going to admit defeat and move on? Now, that's, that's a big Democrat talking point, and I thought he had the... The best answer of all. This is Lee Zeldin near the very end. Will you accept the results if you lose? Louis, this is cut number 14.
3: If you lose this
5: election, um, do you promise to abide by the results? Well,
3: first off,
4: losing is not an option. I love that. (laughs) Secondly, playing along with your
2: hypothetical question, of course.
1: You know he wanted to say stupid question, but he used hypothetical because he's a class act. Me, if that was me on stage, playing off your stupid question, no, I'm not leaving.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wonder if in Georgia they're asking Stacey Abrams this. This is, again, how the media actually comes in with their agenda there. Now, I think you're right. I think Errol and I think Susan Arbiter, for the most part, actually, were pretty fair last They were. They were pretty fair last Again, the
1: questions, uh, the majority of the questions, Andrew,
2: were actually set up. To hurt Kathy, they were. Well, you think about it. Right now, she has a lot to answer for. Like I said, crime is is just spiraling out of control, and it's under her watch. She is the incumbent, so, of course, she needs to answer for her record. Lee is proposing a plan that will work. She actually has a record. And I think one of the things that maybe, and again, you can't do this in a one-hour debate. It's just you need five hours of debate time in order to do this. Um, but one of the things that really was not brought up last night, and I'm surprised the name was not even mentioned, was Andrew Cuomo. Remember, Kathy Hochul was Andrew Cuomo's lieutenant governor for six and a half years. Now, Lee Zeldin did end up mentioning that Kathy Hochul sat, sat idly by while the nursing home disaster did end up happening on her watch as lieutenant governor. But she not only has a record, Of the year and a half of governor that she's been, or the year and 14 months that she's been governor, but also the six and a half years as lieutenant governor. I can tell you in preparing the public advocate candidate in New York last year for the Jumani Williams debate, I looked back at a bunch of the Kathy Hochul debates. And there were five or six different times throughout the Jumani Williams, Kathy Hochul 2018 uh, debates where she actually insinuated that. She was Andrew Cuomo's right hand. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you were his right hand, you weren't behaving too well considering yeah. where that right hand yeah, was. That's a very good
1: point. He's a genius, this Andrew Giuliani. Plus, he's very, very cute. He's very handsome this morning, Andrew. You want to
2: sleep with Lee Elden yeah, and he, Andrew Giuliani? That's quite hot. a threesome right there. I don't know if that's going to yeah, happen. he's hot. Yeah, I want to sleep with both of you, yeah. It's 6 in the morning. It's don't worry hot. about it. It's fine. <laughs> Wait, I'm not
1: even close to getting done here yet today because I'm actually wearing a blue velvet vest right now, but I'm not wearing this to the actual service. Joseph Aboud is coming into studio to style me. And I'm going to go with a cream vest today with a blue jacket, blue slacks. He's bringing a brand-new tie and a brand-new pocket. I square. have my
2: boot shirt on, too. By the way, and blue your is boot the, jacket. Who's the hottest guy in a black sweatshirt I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that's gay.
1: Okay. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. So great to have my dear friend Andrew Giuliani in studio. He's so sharp. And I know he was proud of Lee last night because I say this all the time. What right up to the primary? Nobody had a better campaign than Andrew. None of them—not Neat, not Lee, not Harry, not Rob. None of them. So congratulations to Lee Zeldin. Again, big show coming up today. Mark Molinaro coming up at 7:25. He's got a huge election coming up. Live in studio throughout the day. Joseph Aboud, Peter King, Corey Zelnick, and more. And then, 30 minutes, ladies and gentlemen with Charles McCord. Sid and McCord comes your way at 8 o'clock this morning before we leave at 9 for the beautiful mass from my friend Bernard McGurk. Keep it right here. Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show in America. That's us, mornings on 77 WABC.
0: Info at gabolaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Heaven by Breathe at 628 on your Wednesday morning. So I wanted to watch this debate last night, and then I realized when I got home living in Queens, I don't have New York one. Which is not a bad thing, trust me. And I start freaking out. I'm like, Danielle, I gotta watch the debate. I gotta watch the debate. Calm down, Sydney. This is where my beautiful wife comes in handy. She was able to download the app, yep. and then with the easy play, put it on my television. So I went from not having New York one at 6.30 last night to having this debate on every big screen TV in my house yeah. by 7 o'clock last night. So there was no issue. But, of course, that was one of three major debates, gubernatorial debates across the country. Pennsylvania, Fetterman and Oz, our friend in Michigan, had a pretty good night, too. New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, New York, the most important. Obviously, we're here. But Pennsylvania, a big one, too. Dr. Oz against John Fetterman, I did not See a lot of that last night. Andrew Giuliani,
2: you did... What was your takeaway? Well, first off, that was Kathy Hochul's idea, right? She wanted to go on Spectrum News because only 25% of the state of New York right. actually get it, She knew it, right? that. And so, based upon her performance, she made the right move. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but that's what I get back to with Kathy Hokel Before going on to Fetterman, which uh, I don't know who actually had a worse debate performance, Hochul or Fetterman. In Fetterman's defense, he did just have a stroke a couple of months ago, though, so that's right. the one thing What's I her excuse? say, which she's is kind stupid. of amazing. But <laughs> she, that's exactly what Kathy Hochul does not believe that she's accountable to New Yorkers at all and that's why that's why she's okay with agreeing to one debate on Spectrum News where only 25 percent of New Yorkers but after the Hochul-Zeldin debate after a few minutes ended up getting into the Oz Fetterman debate which was also one hour Fetterman as many of us know actually just had a stroke um, a couple of months back and he really is having trouble putting his thoughts together uh, one of the interesting clips over here, Cut 27, when he talks about releasing his medical records and how his doctor says it's okay. Lou, play Cut 27.
6: Yeah, Again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing.
2: What? Yeah. He <laughs> he, he could not complete thoughts. No. I, I don't understand how this is somebody who is actually eligible for the Senate right now. You think about it. Democrats really should look at this candidate and say we're going to pull this candidate. Should have done this a few months ago because he is not fit for office. It's that simple. No, right? physically he's not fit. He's but, not fit. But for for I'll ask you
1: this: mm-hmm. Is he, and and it's a serious question. I'm not trying to be jerky here. Is he any worse off physically or mentally? than when a 78-year-old Joe Biden took office. Now, he's gotten progressively worse. There's no question over the last 18 or 19 months, Joe Biden has really deteriorated. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's embarrassing now. Now, he's wishing uh, the president, Kamala Harris, a happy birthday. He's talking to people who aren't there. He's looking for dead people. I get all that.
2: But was he any better than Fetterman when he won? Well, I guess it's a really low standard that we've seen on the Democratic side. That's really what it is. Um. No, I guess I don't know. It's it's, but but it, it's just tough for me to imagine that this is somebody who would be sitting in the United States Senate in such an important seat, like the Pennsylvania senator's seat. Here, Uh, here's another time throughout the debate they talked about fracking, and the moderator caught him in a complete lie. Play clip 32, if you would, Lou. I've
6: I've always supported fracking, and I always believe that independence with our energy is is critical, and we can't be held, you know. You know, ransom to somebody like Russia. You know, I've always believed that energy independence is critical, and I've always believed that, and I do support fracking. I've never taken any money from their 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 industry, but I support how critical it is that we. Produce our own energy in. and create energy independence. Okay. I must correct the uh, record. He... Uh,
4: just a second, Mr. Oz. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support <laughs> fracking, Uh-oh. that you've always supported fracking, Uh-oh. but there is Uh-oh. that 2018 interview oh, that, that you said, "quote,
3: yeah. uh, I don't uh,
4: oh,
6: support <laughs> fracking at all." So how do
7: you square oh. the two?
6: Oh boy, oh. mom, <laughs> mommy, <laughs> my mother here. <laughs> uh, I I I do support fracking. Okay. And uh, Wow. Well. I don't, I don't. I support fracking and I stand and I do support fracking. I
1: got to tell you, I think I'm going to start off my eulogy for Bernard today in the church with I support fracking, right there. (laughs) And I'm just going to repeat I support fracking like 10 times. But just, how's that going to go over with the crowd today? It's (laughs) St. Patrick's Cathedral. I support
2: fracking? No, you don't. I support fracking? I support fracking. I support fracking. What peace, do you think? Peace be with it's, you. <laughs> peace be with you. Just completely lying, though, right? I mean, this is just a complete out lie. He has never supported fracking until this parts of this campaign. None I think, of them do. Not even in the beginning. I don't think None even of the, the Democratic do. Party. Kathy Hochul so, doesn't no, either. Right. Exactly. So, So this is just a complete lie to Pennsylvanians. And to me, I'm so glad the moderator actually stepped up and checked the Democrat there where they could have. Dr. Oz, by the way, sounded smooth, polished throughout the entire time. But you could see Fetterman is not fit for the job. It's that simple. And obviously, look, I feel terrible for somebody who did just have a stroke, but he should be recovering. He shouldn't be running for U.S. Senate in our upper chamber going to Washington, D.C., representing Pennsylvania. I agree with you. Barack Obama is heading to Michigan. That was the other state last
1: night, New York, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, for Governor Whitmer. But the Republican challenger, mm-hmm. who I've seen a couple of times on Brian Kilmeade's show on Fox News on a Saturday night, Dixon, she's, um, she's got all the right ideas, too. I, I feel like Tudor Dixon of the three, talking about Lee Zeldin mm-hmm. and Dr. Oz, has the least chance of winning. But I do know that she's made some headway in that state
2: as well. What do you think about uh, Tudor Dixon's chances? It shows that uh, they're scared if they're sending Barack Obama there. It shows they need to pour in resources. Uh, so to me, this is uh, – I think it's a race that could be up there. You're probably right. I think of all of them, right, you've got to think that that Fetterman-Oz seat that's Pennsylvania's just got you know less, less Democrats compared to New York. Um, so I think that that's obviously one that's going to be close. And I think anybody who watched that debate last night, really, wh- whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you have to look and say – Oz is prepared to be a United States senator, and, and Fetterman just is not. Uh, and then you could look at the Zeldin-Hochel debate, and Hochel just had no answers on crime, had no answers on the economy, had no answers on education. Actually, uh, Lee Zeldin was the one who came out and said, I will not mandate COVID shots for your children, period, while yeah. Hokel waffled all over the place. And Hochel yeah. actually ended up saying, when talking about the pandemic precautions that she ended up taking, or pre- pandemic mandates that she ended up putting in. She would do it all over again. She, she said that. That slipped yeah. out. Yeah. Um so to me, I think it's slipping out of Kathy Hochul's hands. I'm not sure if we have enough time to see Tudor Diction actually overtake Whitmer. Um, but you could tell they are scared if they are sending Barack Obama. There. All right, Andrew Giuliani right there. He'll be in studio with me all morning long. Again,
1: don't forget, you've got uh, Andrew here all morning. Uh, Peter King's going to come in here today. Joseph Aboud, Corey Zelnick. I'm going to spend 30 minutes at 8 o'clock this morning with the great Charles McCord. You've got to love that. And we'll also be joined by Mark Molinaro. He's got a huge race coming up. He'll be here at 725. Traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to Let Me Tell You with Joan Hamburg on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here, Joan Hamburg says she was thankful to have known
3: my partner, Bernard. And we sat in the sun looking at that beautiful forever ocean and thinking about how fragile life is and that you have to really seize the moment, enjoy what you can and we thought how lucky we were to have known bernard for a large part of his life and how lucky all of you were to share his wit and his wisdom this is sid on sports
0: oh my Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC.
1: Yes, Pete Morgan, another dear friend of me and Bernie. Pete will be at this uh, big mass today. He'll probably be here in the studios by 9 o'clock this morning. He's bringing you sports, Peerless Boilers. Check them out today, PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers with sports, My right hand man, Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Sydney. I am
8: Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. We'll start on the ice where the Devils and Rangers were in action. The Devils took it to the Red Wings in Detroit with a six to two road win to move to four and three on the year. Jack Hughes and Dawson Mercer found the back of the net, and Jesper Bratt found it twice. Vitek Vanacek secured the crease, saving twenty of twenty two shots on goal. And New Jersey will get to bask in the win as they get a couple of days off here before welcoming in the Colorado Avalanche on Friday. And speaking of those very Avalanche. They'll be coming fresh off a shootout victory over the Rangers at the Garden last night. A two goals to one score in the shootout secured the 3-2 to two road win for Colorado as New York continues to slide a bit here with their third straight loss. Bit of a homecoming as well as the Rangers got to see their former backup tender and Alexander Georgiev. Here was head coach Gerard Galan on facing the former a
9: Blue Shirt. Georgiev had a good year with us last year. He competed hard and uh, really good to know him. And, you know, it's a good start for him. He's a... Just- I think he's the number one goalie over there. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be their coach, but I think that that's where they put him right now, and he's played really well. So, you know, he he done well for us. We had a great year with him last year, and, you know, that's what happens when people do well. They move on sometimes. but.
8: The Rangers will make the short trip to Elmont next to face off with the Islanders tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And no action on the court yesterday, but looking ahead to tonight, we've got the Knicks at home against the Charlotte Hornets set for a 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time tip, and the Nets simultaneously in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. And we finally have a start time for Friday's Game 1 of the World Series between the Phillies and Astros. First pitch will be set for 8.03 p.m. in Houston, and both teams have yet to name a starting pitcher for the contest. Here with your bottom-of-the-hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC
7: the digital dollar could give the feds control of your money get the digital dollar report call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from priority gold to protect your money or just go to digitaldollarreport.com please note the information provided
0: does not constitute financial or investment advice i want to rock burning and sit in the morning Whoa! on the red apple podcast network
10: It was raining hard in Frisco. I needed one more fare to make my night. A lady up ahead waved a flag me down. She got in at the light. Oh, where you going to, my lady
0: blue? It's a shame you ruined your gown in
11: the just looked out the window
3: she said 16 Parkside Lane."
1: this one a bernie mcgurk favorite bernie love this song folks welcome back six forty-five on what i'm calling bernie mcgurk day here at wabc have a beautiful dance coming up at st patrick's cathedral you're all invited 10 a.m to 11 30 a.m this morning at some point today too Later on in the afternoon, they're going to name this studio, this is a huge honor, the Bernard McGurk Studio, where we all do our shows from, including me, all day long. His beautiful wife, Carol, his uh, gorgeous daughter, Melanie, his son, Brendan, and his daughter-in-law, who's pregnant, by the way. He's about to have his first grandchild, Bernard. They will all be here throughout the day, and uh, really a terrific job again. I can't say enough about John and Margot Katsimatidis. I mean, John did not know Bernie all these years. He knew of him, I'm sure, but didn't know him. You would think that John knew Bernie from the day he was born. That's how amazing they've been. Chad, on the other hand, he's known Bernard for a long time. Not as long as me, but, uh, but a long time. And Chad has been terrific. So they've got a, a beautiful day here uh, set up. I'm going to leave at 9 after a great 8 o'clock hour, which will, inc- uh, which will include Charles McCord, making his way back to this show, which is amazing. 8 to 8.30, I'm his favorite, Charles McCord, will be here. Then Peter King, then a cast of thousands will join me as we walk on over to St. Patrick's Cathedral. Two of those guys that will join me are in studio right now. One is Andrew Giuliani. He's been great for 45 minutes already this morning. And the other is my personal designer. <laughs> in my opinion, the greatest men's <laughs> designer in the history of fashion. And when I tell you how gorgeous this guy looks this morning... <laughs> White pants, a white turtleneck, a beautiful (laughs) blue tweed jacket gray hair and a tan <laughs> you have never looked better joseph abud good
11: morning how are you good morning gentlemen how are you guys great, it's great to you. meet you and I, yeah.
2: i'm wearing joseph yeah. as well not just you yeah. right here. I mean this, this, is, is, a right. No <laughs> this is a love fest right no doubt about it
11: well,
2: well
1: tell me about that for a second you know i'm yeah. gonna wear your clothing all the of time course. of course and um but when you walk in and you see andrew giuliani and he just happens to be wearing a joseph abud yeah. does that make you feel good
11: you know it's the greatest award you can win you can win all the designer of the year awards and but when people who don't know you buy your clothes, it yeah. says your work is good. It's pretty and, cool, right? And it really is. Yeah. And I, if I'm walking down Fifth Avenue and I see a sweater that I designed walking toward me, that guy doesn't know me. Right. It's the greatest joy. I actually want to stop him and shake him and say thank you uh, for buying yeah. that because you, you believe that. No, me. I get that. That's how
1: I feel like when, uh, when I'm in a car, for example. Right. And the car next to me has the window rolled down. And maybe they're listening to a best of on a Saturday morning of me. And I'm <laughs> that's like,
2: oh, my that's God. Right.
1: That's you know, me. Right. Well, you, Andrew, when, when you're out there and people, yeah. you, you know these people are voting for you. Absolutely. That's got to be
2: incredible. It really is. It, it's, it's an amazing. And like you said, it's a compliment to your work. It's a compliment to what you do. Yeah. It's not friends that, uh, you know, that may be blowing some smoke. That's or right. To make that's it feel right. Better that's right. That. That's it's right. actually people that yeah. are saying your product yeah. is the best. And that's why I want to buy it because yeah. I feel like I look the best. Yeah. Well, you know I over
11: the, over the years, though, yeah. I really believed in the American man, and I thought, you know, we were always stepchildren to our European counterparts, right. and I always wanted to make American men look beautiful. So here's, my, uh, here's a testimony <laughs> to it right, right <laughs> now. I've got two handsome guys wearing my clothes. So. Well, I'll It'll be interesting to see if sales go
1: up or down after you say <laughs> I that. Don't, I, I don't know. No. Talking about Bernard, uh, yes. I'm wearing a blue suit today that's yours. Yeah. You gave Bernard mm-hmm. the same exact suit. That's right. And the reason why you did it was, many years ago, before John even took over ownership here, uh, Bernie and I received this really coveted award from Teddy Atlas. He gives it out every year to Staten Island big uh, dinner. Great dinner, by the way. Great dinner to the most important journalists in the city that year, the ones with the most integrity. And me and Bernie won that award. So we went dressed with the same suit that night. Now, I never got there. Neither because, did I. Neither did you. That was the night, Andrew, of that massive snowstorm Oh wow. in, yeah. in, in November that Bill de Blasio wasn't prepared for. <laughs> but me and Bernie had the same suit. And I would tell you, any time Bernie and I had to go somewhere,
12: any
11: time, that was the only suit he ever wore. He that's loved right. that suit. Well, that's right. And I remember when he came to the store, he's, he was such a humble guy. And it was so appreciative of the fact that we'd fit him and make a suit for him, and he, he was a gentle giant. I mean, I loved him, and he was a tough guy, but he had the soul of, a, of, a, of just the most incredible human being and loved him so much. And I go back with Bernie to 1992 when I first went on the IMA show, yeah. I think well before Sid. They oh, well before. I didn't, I didn't and, get
1: diamonds until 2000.
11: Yeah. yeah and wow. then, of course, there was the great Charles McCord and Rob Bartlett and Larry Kinney. And what I mean, it was. And of course, the famous Lou, Rufino, right. who, you know, made everything happen. So just to know Bernie that long. And what I said to Sid the other day was a lot of people never met Bernie, but they felt they knew him.
2: One hundred percent.
11: And that's the magic and the power of radio. Is the intimacy. Uh, Sid, you have that. And, you know, we all say we blow smoke because we're all friends. But it's really true. And I saw Sid's talent way back when I was deciding whether to, who was going to be the sports guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is the guy. And so um, that is the power of radio. And you've just managed it so beautifully. And Thank WABC's you. done a great job. Yeah.
0: Really has. Oh, thank you for all of that. I appreciate that.
1: And uh, you do know Bernie for a long time. Yeah.
11: And, 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 you know, Bernie uh, had some fun with you. Of course.
1: I, I got this email I told you, uh, Andrew and uh, Joe, from uh, the guy, what's his name? The guy that works with Len Berman on the competing station, that horrible radio show? Michael Rydell. Right. So Rydell <laughs> sends me. Rydell is a guy that covers Broadway for yeah. the New York Post. So if you're a fashion designer or you cover Broadway, right away, Neanderthal guys from Brooklyn like me, we think you're gay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You've you got pictures of your wife. Because... So uh, he sent me an email, and he said, uh, Bernie once did this joke on Imus. He had a new book coming out, Michael. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, Don, I've got a new book coming out today. And Bernard responded instead of Don with... Great, when are you coming out? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but that's but right. you went through some of that same ribbing yeah. with Bernie and Don. I mean, yeah. you've got a gorgeous wife and gorgeous kids, but they refuse to believe, not that it matters, that you were heterosexual.
11: But you know what? I hate stereotypes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you can't be straight and pick. Fabrics. I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't pick curtains and decorate. So mm. I hate it's any. Curtain. Kind of curtains, I, well. hate, <laughs> I, I, I hate any kind of stereotypes, and yeah. I think it's really unfair to everybody. Yeah. So for me, it was you know as I said, I'm not gay, but I'm also not Italian.
7: What what <laughs> what,
11: what, what what difference does it really make? I don't think any of that really oh, should come God. into play in the way people perceive other people. I, I'm you know, also but, not Italian. But, 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 but oh, it's just God. who we are. I yeah. think it's just. It's fine to be who you are. Did you watch the debate
2: last night, Zeldon? I was not able to get it. And that's Hochul's point, right? Hochul did not want people was to not, actually we, see the
11: debate. We searched everywhere.
2: Uh, he, yeah. uh, of,
1: cor- of course you were about to get it. I thought the same thing. You should have called me and Danielle. If you downloaded the Spectrum One app from anywhere in the world... Uh. You could have put it on your TV with easy play because I freaked out at 630. They go,
11: right. I don't get it. I'm As we Queens. have cable vision or something, and, and it didn't carry. And I, was, I said, well, maybe it's got to be on one of the networks, one right. of the cable stations. Right. And we couldn't find well,
1: it. Well, one of the things that uh, you and Andrew talked about during the break, which I think is worth bringing up, is, you know, the one place, actually, now that I think about it, Andrew, yeah. where maybe Lee should have mentioned it five or six times was... Why are all these people leaving New York? Mm -hmm. She kept making the case that everything is great, the economy is strong, she's got plans for this, she's got plans for that. And as far as I could remember, only once did he say, they're going to Tennessee, they're going to North Carolina, they're
2: going to Florida. I would have said all night, Kathy, if you're doing such a good job, why is everybody leaving? When they had the cross-examination rounds, he actually gave her a fill-in-the-blank. He made it easy for her, and he asked... The New York leads the country in out-migration because of why. Right. That was once. Right? And now we all know, right, it's because of crime. It's because yeah. of the economic issues here in New York. It's because of education. But in terms of the fashion industry, Joseph, when you think about it, and you were saying that it's actually the fourth largest industry in, the in Uni- New York. In, in the United States. States. States yes. In the United States. Um, will fashion come back in New York uh,
11: there's so many things that have to happen, Andrew. Really, if you think about it, there are still so many empty stores. If you walk up and down Madison Avenue and you see stores that are empty... Is your store still empty? It's still empty. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, Come which on, is a, But, but only... think about that. <laughs> think about what an amazing location that is, 49th yeah. and Madison, around the corner from Saks. Until crime is under check, until we have uh, an environment where the people who go to work and retail every day feel comfortable about being in stores... Not worrying about people coming in and stealing and perhaps doing bodily harm, uh, it's really terrible mm-hmm. for the fashion industry, plus also the tourism. Yeah. That's Down. a great yeah. part of the retail. Down. People yeah. come and they shop. Right. And New York was the greatest shopping city in the world. We haven't come back from that. As much as people say, well, New York is the greatest city in the world, it is. But it hasn't come back, and it yeah. needs a change. Yeah. It, 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 it's not the greatest
1: city in the
0: world. I, I actually,
11: believe it or not.
1: <laughs> it's, it's just not. It's not, not anymore. It's not. It's it's, well, it's, it feels nice to say it because we're working in
2: New York right now. Right. We're from New York. Right. It's not even close. Well, it's not. The potential is there, and I hope you ask the mayor when you get to have uh, dinner with him on November second why New York <laughs> is not the greatest city in the world. Right? We have the playbook. To actually get this done with a Governor Zeldin and hopefully with an Eric Adams with a new idea of what actually can right. be done, what he actually campaigned on yeah. during the Democratic primary, we would actually be able to see this? And, I, a- but you want to know the I- ironic when, thing? So sure. This suit, believe it or not, I bought – my wife actually got it for me as a birthday gift – in Florida, funny enough, not in New men's York, warehouse. ironically warehouse, enough. Right? Yeah, yeah, the men's yeah. warehouse yeah. in
7: Florida, yeah. as a matter of fact.
2: Yeah. But funny enough, it was actually to go to Mar-a-Lago. We went down there for a weekend. Oh, wow. I didn't have a suit. Right. Uh, for some reason, I, I didn't have my suit with me. <laughs> right. and, uh, and my birthday was coming up. My wife said, let me buy you a suit. And sure enough, she, wow. she has suit. great taste. She fitted it she out obviously right has.
11: She obviously has great taste. But it's interesting. When I was uh, working in Boston, because you know I grew up there. Mm-hmm. Sorry about being a Red Sox fan. <laughs> I grew up there. When I grew up, the idea was to where you made it was in new york if you wanted to be in the fashion business you had to come to new york right and it was a big decision for me Mm -hmm. to move down when i was thirty years old i went to work for ralph lauren to design there, but that was where the heart and soul of the fashion business was and you had to be here and i haven't felt that energy yet i i know the potentials here we all want to sound optimistic but a lot of work has to be done. 60 seconds to go.
1: John Katz and our proud owner and a dear, dear friend at this point. I love him to pieces. He goes to a lot his Christini stores, yes, his Dagestino stealing stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot. I mean, I'm yeah. talking about tons of money worth yeah. of stuff. If, in fact, you were still there, again, it's an ideal location, it's a mm-hmm. beautiful neighborhood, mm-hmm. 49th and Madison by mm-hmm. the Palace Hotel, yes. by Sachs. would you be nervous to come to work now? Absolutely.
11: Really? Absolutely. And you know, my daughter worked in that store. Beautiful daughter, by I, the thank way, you, Lila. I yeah. would be petrified to have her work in the store, knowing that at any moment someone could walk in. I won't mention the name of the store, and I'll leave you with this: I have a friend of mine who manages one of the greatest stores in New York. He's every week someone walks in, grabs a pile of cashmere sweaters, and walks out,
13: wow. Is that and there's right?
11: nothing. That oh they can do about God. it. They're afraid to stop him. He's a big guy. Yeah. That's as far as I'm going to go. Yeah. But that is the state of retail, and we've got to change that. Dustin, right. they got you.
1: <laughs> that is a great hour. Andrew Giuliani and uh, Joseph Abood are here. We got more folks coming into the studio throughout the morning. This show will go on until 9 o'clock. Then we'll make our way to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And don't forget from 8 to 8.30, Sid and Charles McCord, as we heard two weeks ago today, right back on the morning show. Keep it right here. Hour number two, Mornings on Talk Radio 77, WABC, about to come your way.
2: Remember you.
7: We're doing live. Hey Bill O'Reilly here and you are listening to Bernie and Sid, God help you, on the
0: Red Apple Podcast Network. He just he could just get along with
10: everyone and that's that's one of the great things of working with him side by side all, all those years is that um, he had this great spirit every single day. Like he came in ready to go. He was ready to work because you know, he had that old-fashioned, that work ethic uh, of he was dedicated to his job, and whatever show he worked on, uh, he was going to be at his best, and he wanted the show to be at, a, at their best. And, you know, um, off that, you know, it's not just a love and admiration for him as a friend. It's just the ultimate respect for, for what he did as a professional as well.
1: my friend Mike Breen, ACDC here, Bernie, love this song too. Bernard, this show goes out to you, my man. Mike Breen, dear friend of mine, even longer and better friend to Bernard, the voice of the Knickerbockers and, of course, the NBA. The finals with Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. And Breen is just a uh, beautiful man, what can I say? He was actually the one who called me on uh, that Wednesday night, Yom Kippur, with the bad news. And I, in turn, of course, called um, Chad Lopez and Matt Meany. But it was Breen who called me. And um, I think I told you he called me, and I was finishing up my Yom Kippur meal. And I'm like, why is Breen calling me? His house had just burned down. I told you this before. His house had burned to the ground. And I thought, oh, maybe he needs something. I don't know. Why why would he need something from me anyway? But I didn't know. And then um, I texted him back, and I said, listen, I'm finishing dinner. And he said, well, please call me as soon as you can. And I said, oh, boy, I knew it. As I was dialing his number, I said, this is going to be the phone call I've been dreading for months. And sure enough, he's like, we lost Bernard today. So uh, Mike Breen, I think we'll be there today. Breen should be speaking today. Uh, who came up with all these uh, the speaking things? I, first of all, Lou Rafino, and I'm going to get in trouble for this. I just don't care. I just don't understand why they do anything at this stage without talking to me. No not disrespect anybody else, but you got to talk to me. Um, this is my Howard Stern moment. No one has worked with or knows Bernie McGurk longer than Lou Rufino at this station. Nobody. And all these people reading and going up on stage and making speeches, and Lou Rufino is doing nothing. So that makes no sense. None. I'm just telling you. Find a way to get Lou Ruffino involved today. He's friends with Bernard for 35 years. They were together behind the glass every morning when Don Imus made all of our lives so miserable that the three of us had a suicide pact. Back in 2000, I'm not even kidding. Find a way to get Lou Ruffino involved. Please, I'm begging you. Way before miss and Bernie were WABC, we all had major success at a different station 20 years ago. So that uh, has me aggravated. That's uh, my Lou Ruffino moment. And uh, Mike Breen, why isn't Breen speaking? Breen was Bernie's legitimate best friend. Maybe he doesn't want to. I know he's got a nickname game tonight.
3: Maybe he's at, oh, if he's in town. No, he's coming. Okay.
1: So... I mean, I, I haven't seen all the speakers and all the readers and all that stuff, but I'm sorry, Lou Rapino and Mike Breen should be up on that um, stage. In fact, when you could take my place,
2: I'm Hawaii, Angie. Okay, I'm doing okay. I get aggravated <laughs> over things. I, I hear, I understand right there, but I yeah. mean, think about it, uh, Lou. 1988. Is that how long you and Bernie go back?
3: Uh, it's the end of '88. Yes. Yeah. Wow.
1: So he I mean, would never say anything because he's a nice guy, Lou, and uh, and you're not. I am a nice you guy. You are a nice guy. But I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah, that's true. I'm not <laughs> afraid. <laughs> Lou is like, hey, you know, he's got to run the board, and
2: you know how these people are. They You're all heart. That's why. You're all heart. It's, uh, it's right. on your sleeve. It's on your beautiful Joseph Aboud's well, sleeve Thank you right for now. that. Thank you. So I,
1: I want Lou to do something today, and if, and if not, I'll take him up on stage with me. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> no, it's,
7: everything's fine. He'll just
1: walk up with me and be quiet. Charles McCourt <laughs> will be here at 8 o'clock this <laughs> morning. Funny. Then, uh, Then Peter King. Uh, we have Mark Molinaro coming up next. And years ago, I got to know Mark very well. He ran for governor. Yeah. In fact, we hung out quite a bit, uh, bit in Howard Beach, yeah. believe it or not. And the day of the election— You made
2: pizza, right? You made pizza together. That's
1: correct. Yeah. We went to Aldo's Pizzeria on Cross Bay Boulevard in Howard Beach. Eric Ulrich and, uh, and Mark Molinaro— few other local guys. They all got waxed that day. What we're going to see, hopefully in two weeks, that day was not the same. Didn't resemble it. It was a blue wave back then. Molinero got beat badly by Cuomo, mm-hmm. but he gave it a, a good run. Now he comes up a loss to Ryan in upstate New York, where Hochul the night before was with Ryan and now he's coming up with a big race in the 19th Congressional District. But you said something to me during the break that was so
2: smart about what he may have to rely on and it may not be Crime. Yeah. Well, one of the things, if you look at New York State and the geography of it, right, for 70 percent of New Yorkers, crime is the number one issue for anybody who lives in New York or around New York or certainly if you live in towns where cops live, right, or or live and coming into New York City. Crime is going to be the main issue. But Mark is in a district that's probably it's too far north from where the NYPD live. And it's south of Albany. So you're not really actually crime might not be the top issue. Necessarily for him, it might be the economy. Sure enough, I mean, you could see and there was a big fentanyl bust in, uh, I think, Poughkeepsie yesterday that Mark ended up commenting on. Uh, This is an issue that does affect his district, but it might not be the number one issue when they look at the polling and see the 28 percent of New Yorkers say it's their top issue probably doesn't fall on the majority of that 28%. It's probably more the economic issues. It's probably the fact that heating oil is going to cost 16% more this year than it did last year. It's probably the fact that gas is up 50% from where it was two years ago. So for him, probably, and it'll be interesting to talk to him to see where those issues rank, uh, Probably the economy is probably the biggest issue affecting him up there. And he obviously caught poor timing when you think about it with his race because that was kind of the height of Democratic popularity yeah, in yeah. August of this last year yeah. where I think now he's catching good timing with that red wave. It's going to be a close race, though. It's one of these things. If Molinaro wins, Zeldin probably ends up winning. If Molinaro does not win on November 8th, then we probably have Kathy Hochul. Well, oh, I disagree with you there. I actually think Lee Zeldin is going to win. I, no, no. Uh, and I'm I think saying Mark
1: Molino is going to lose.
2: Oh, I, I, I don't see that happening. Okay. I, I'll, I'll well, bet you a bacon, we'll egg, and back cheese on that one. afterwards. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that. He's about to come on here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like,
1: hey, you're going to win big. So. I think he's going to win.
2: I think he's going to win, and I think that you're going to have Zeldin win this thing. But I think that's going to be one of those key bellwethers, if you will, in New York State to see where that is. Well, talking about the
1: economy, that came up last night during the debate, and all Lee Zeldin did— all Lee Zeldin did was um, was be honest, mm-hmm. okay? And he talked about how, especially in upstate New York, and, and to your credit, this is where I really fell in love with you, was you centered on the state, not the city. Right. I mean, Zeldin, Astorino, Wilson, they, it was like they were running for mayor. They yeah. talked about the city. You're like, listen, I was in Rochester. I was in Syracuse. I was in Binghamton. You could add uh, Monticello. You can <laughs> add you know, a whole other a bunch of places, Utica. And you said, it's a mess. Yeah. And when Zeldon made that point last night, instead of Kathy Hochul coming back and saying, well, you're right, but we're working on things, what she said was... Well, that's not the way to talk about our state. That pessimistic outlook. I wouldn't want a governor who's so pessimistic. He's not being pessimistic, you dope. He's
2: being realistic. Yeah. You know more than anybody; those places are dying. He wants realistic plans from her. That's what he wants. And the fact that Kathy Ockel has come with nothing but just some sound bites, basically, and really, which is you know what you said about him. I, well, it's you know complete gaslighting, right? That's exactly what they're doing. She's reflecting exactly what. Uh, she's actually doing on Zeldin and trying to get people to believe this kind of mysterious thing that Zeldin's actually doing what she's doing. It's the exact opposite. Zeldin came in with the plans. He actually only had one hour. As a matter of fact, he wanted another hour, and he wants another hour because he has so many plans that he wants to lay out from an economic standpoint, from a crime standpoint. Kathy Ockel doesn't have any plans. No, if I'm Lee Zeldin, I don't want any more debates because
1: he knocked her out. you You can't be any more impressive than he was. You can't be worse than she was. So he has that one. He killed my friend Susan Brown auto-checks in from Bethel, New York, up at my mom's house by, by uh, Woodstock. And not Woodstock, New York, the original site of Woodstock. She says Sydney heating oil is off the charts up a dollar a gallon yeah. in Sullivan County. Sullivan right. County. So, you know, she could talk all she wants about how New York is great and we're optimistic. Again, time after time, every story we cover, whether it's crime the economy, mm-hmm. all these things tell us that New
2: York is just not so great. Yeah, it's just not. And you think about it. Let's say you're making $1,000 a week or something like that, or $1,500 a week. If it's up a dollar a gallon, how much is that going to cut in? To a lot. What you're actually, it's cut, it cuts in a lot on top of the fact that it's costing you an extra dollar and plus a gallon to actually get to work. Um, so these are issues that I think really it's going to actually be the dictator of, of the red wave here in New York. And it's what Molinar has to seize on.
1: You, um, you live in Lower Manhattan. I'm not going to tell people where you live, mm-hmm. but um, I know where you live. Battery in... Park. Battery <laughs> Park. <laughs> Battery Park. Go <laughs> right. with that. Uh, it is Battery Park. And uh, the last couple of times you've come here to work with me, you've told me that you've taken the train. Did it again today. You did it again did today. Did it again today. So you're telling me that at 4.45 a.m. this morning, mm-hmm. first of all, Six you're, train. A, you're a celebrity. People know who you are, which is even worse for you because. Famous,
2: infamous in some circles.
1: Well, well that's what I'm saying. So that, that can actually go against you. But either way, whether you're famous or not, being on the train circa 5 o'clock in the morning is a dangerous proposition. You did it. Yeah. Were you nervous? And you see anybody who made you, who made you nervous? I mean, because according to Adams and Hochel, this is more perception and in your head than reality. By the way, last night, she went back on that. Last night you said, no, fear is real. It's amazing how they tell the New York Post one thing and then pressed on television, they say another. They both have said
2: perception. How did you perceive the subway this morning? Well, I'll tell you what. The smell that greeted me going in there <laughs> was, like, it was like rotting human flesh. Uh, it's tough to really actually describe what it was, but it just stunk. And, and so to me, I, I thought about it. And I th- probably saw another four or five different people that were passed out on the platform in oh. different areas walking to the subway, and it's just so sad. To me, whenever I hear leftists talk about, well, you know, we need to allow them to be on the street and do that, they're literally rotting away right there. There's nothing compassionate about that. Uh, so to me, Kathy Oakle needs to have answers on this. There are no answers. The fact that crime is up for the highest that it's been on the subways for 25 years, by the way, that's more to her, I think, maybe even than Eric Adams, because guess what? The governor's the one that has more board seats on the MTA. That's one right. of the things that I talked about on day one of a plan, for any effective governor would would it be to make sure that they actually do everything they can to get the subways and crime out of uh, crime out of the subways Could you do that you make sure that you put our quality of life underneath the ground You're going to put a lot of pressure on Eric Adams right there. And the governor can do that with a mandate because, like I said, they have more board seats. If I'm Lee Zeldin on day one, I'm looking at the subways. I'm making sure I'm cleaning out because that's going to put a ton of pressure on Mayor Eric Adams when New Yorkers see a clean subway system where they feel safe and they come above ground and all of a sudden they don't feel safe. That is
1: the brilliant voice of one Andrew Giuliani sitting in with me all morning long until 9 a.m., Once again, don't forget Mark Molinaro running in that 19th Congressional District. He, as we speak, is the uh, county executive of Dutchess County. He's a good friend of the show. Bernie loved him as well. He'll be coming up next. Peter King will be in studio at some point today. Joseph Aboud, Corey Zelnick. And don't forget, coming up at 8 o'clock, folks, you loved it two weeks ago. You'll get it again today. Sid and Charles McCord, 30 minutes of old Chuck. Coming up at 8 o'clock this morning as we get ready to walk over to St. Patrick's Cathedral for our big Bernie McGurk celebration coming your way from 10 to 11.30 this morning. My man, Bernard, big, big morning, folks. Keep it right here. Look at Pete Morgan looking like a million bucks. Black suit, beautiful tie, brought in his New York Ranger T-shirt, New oh York, no quit. <laughs> I like that. Number 22, Rangers lost last night. New York is losing every day. But thanks, Pete Morgan. We'll come (laughs) right back on this big Bernie McGurk day right after this. Come on!
7: Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, President Biden needs a vacation. He is now totally out of control when it comes to saying Actual words. The latest is telling the world the USA has lower inflation than most other countries. That came as a shock to France, Japan, Canada, and many of the EU countries, which are well below the USA inflation rate. Then Mr. Biden tops that by proclaiming that Congress voted and approved his student loan forgiveness plan. Uh, No. That did not happen. The president signed an executive order demanding $400 billion tax dollars to forgive student debt. Of course, that EO is unconstitutional because only Congress can approve federal spending programs. So, predictably, a court has now blocked Biden's loan forgiveness deal. Once again, I will tell you, That the most powerful man in the world does not understand what he is saying and doing. And once again, I will remind you that before the 2020 vote, I clearly stated that working Americans would be financially harmed if Joe Biden won. This is not difficult. Joe Biden is lost and will not be found. We need to be protected from him. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk.
0: Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway track. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast
6: Network. Woo!
1: Uh, this was Bernie's sister Bernadette's favorite song, and unfortunately, Bernie dead uh, died of cancer years ago as well. Bernie, hopefully, with his sister right now, listening to this song. Anytime we played this song, it'd get all broken up. This is my sister Bernadette's favorite song, and now Bernie is with her, like I said. So, that is uh, Bob Dylan. The Wallflower's One Head Light. Still to come this morning, we've got uh, four gentlemen in studio right now. Pete Morgan, Joseph Abood, Andrew Giuliani, and myself. Peter King will be here, too. Then 30 minutes coming up at 8 o'clock with me and Charles McCord. But right now on the line, a man running in the 19th Congressional District. He is, as we speak, the executive in Dutchess County. He's had a, a very, very solid Political career already, but needs a big win coming up in two weeks. He'll join me and Andrew Giuliani right now. That's our friend Mark Molinaro. Mark, good morning. Welcome back, pal. How are you?
5: I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing well. And listen, uh, all of our thoughts and prayers are with you. I know today's also going to be a tough day, but uh, um, it's good to hear your voice. And uh, thank you. Sad, to, sad that another another came silent, but. Uh, uh, we're, we're all with you
1: thank you mark i appreciate that and bernie got a exactly. kick out of you too i remember the first time
5: you were on you were talking about
1: your grandfather being a big new york football giant fan in fact i think you buried him god rest his soul in a giant jersey and uh buried in
5: his giant jersey yep. yeah
1: bernie got a big uh, bernie got a big mm-hmm. kick out of that so well uh, you got the, the big election coming up in two weeks this is a very important election for the republicans up there in the northern part of the state what does it look like right now as we get close to that big day
5: Listen, we're running strong. I, I've committed to, to representing the 19th Congressional District, and um, uh, we're going we're to win. But you said earlier, you know, we, we need a, I need a big win. America needs a big win. Uh, we've got to take back the House of Representatives. We've got to provide some sanity in Washington, D.C., uh, and really hold the administration accountable. Um, you know, I, I Andrew knows this because he's traveling the state. I, I'm running against a, um, a Washington, D.C. lawyer who has not lived in the state of New York for the last 16 years. My opponent has not lived in the state of New York for the last 16 years. He he doesn't know the first thing about the challenges that we face. Uh, and frankly, we're, we're going to take it to him and uh, take the fight to, to Washington uh, for the people of the 19th district. So,
2: so Mark, can, in the 19th congressional district, what is the top issue that, that you're hearing from your constituents? Is it crime? Because I know you're – a little further north of New York City and south of Albany so you guys might not be getting quite the crime spike that we're seeing in the cities also in Binghamton and we're seeing you know all over the state in Buffalo uh, so is it crime is it more the economy and inflation is it the fast is it the fact that oil prices are up 16% year over year what what are the top issues that you see specifically in the New York 19th district
5: it is cost and crime, and it's probably in that order. Uh, you know, upstate is used to seeing, and I say I, I hate to say it this way, or we're used to seeing crime in New York City, but not this. This is astronomical and and skyrocketing, obviously, in every every neighborhood. And you saw that Lee Zeldin last night uh, uh, pointing it out to a clueless governor, uh, but but we feel it too. Remember, uh, so cash mail, uh, cashless bail has undermined law enforcement across the state, and our communities upstate are feeling it as well. Law enforcement knows it, and in inqu- I, you know, suburban uh, communities and rural communities where you might not see a lot of crime. When it starts to creep up in the way that it has, it is glaring, and people fear it, feel it, and they fear it. Uh, but you know, you just said uh, oil prices sixteen percent, seventy percent year over year. You know, this is a place where home heating fuel has gone up thirty five percent in the last three Jeez. weeks. In the last three weeks, the last
7: three weeks. And,
2: That's
5: yeah, brutal. and so. And so you've got you've got communities and, uh, and and residents, families upstate. You know, we're driving miles back and forth to work. Uh, we're taking our kids to schools that are in other communities. And so so it is a big burden and the cost is is too great for for too many.
1: Now, you know, Mark, uh, going back to your special election back in August, uh, Ryan was able to really make that about abortion, which, uh, as Lee talked about last night, is a non-issue here. It's legal. He's not about to change that. Uh, It should never even come up, to be honest with you. And gun laws, which uh, Kathy Hochul also seized upon all night last night. And so he was able to get a win that day. Uh, Should we expect a lot of the same from your opponent in this race? Is it about abortion and gun laws rather than what we're talking about, crime, the economy, and all the things New Yorkers really care about?
5: Yeah, Josh Riley and Nancy Pelosi are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a week talking about abortion. By the way, lying about my position uh, on the issue. What is is your position? I I do not support a national ban. The the Supreme Court has made this a state issue. The state of New York uh, will not change. The laws in the state of New York will not change. And I don't believe Congress can impose its will on states like New York. So that doesn't change. And I've always— Always said we have to support women no matter the choice they make. Uh, that is that is important for us uh, to do. Um, uh, but but they're spending millions of dollars lying. even CNN says my opponent is lying. Now now when they when they turn on you you're in trouble. <laughs> uh, 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 but 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 he, but again he spent his entire adult life living in Washington D.C. hasn't lived here in the last. 17 years, doesn't know the first thing about high property taxes, cost of living, crime uh, in our communities, uh, and frankly, doesn't know how to leverage uh, 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 on behalf of the people of this district. Uh, and really, I've done this, right? We know this. I've done, I've, I've made government work for 29 years, uh, first as a village mayor, uh, and uh, now as a county executive, uh, I'm going to do the same as a member of Congress.
2: So I'm looking at the polling in your race for whatever it's worth over here, and every it's tight, it's it's yeah. a it looks like a real toss-up. What is the plan? over the next 13 days to make sure you're getting as many people out. Because I was talking with Sid about this earlier. I really think that yours is one of the bellwether, not just for the country, not just for New York, but also for the country as well. So I think as your race goes, so goes the House of Representatives, and so goes the Zeldon Hochul race. <laughs> no pressure, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think a lot. Jeez, I, I feel like the Giants with a 5-1 oh record.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm out of here. Thanks, Thank you. <laughs> This is a 50-50 seat. It's one of the top seats in America, top 10 seats in America. And to your point, I do agree. Listen, for the House to go Republican, for Nancy Pelosi to be sent on an early retirement or a much-needed retirement, please, please. We've, got to, we've got to win the 19th Congressional District. We are working every corner and community. By the way, my opponent hasn't been out of his basement. I, I've been to thousands of events this last uh, several months. Don't see him anywhere but if you're listening at home uh and 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 you want to make a difference markforus.com markforus.com this is a seat that uh, frankly will provide us when we win it the republican majority in the house we can hold uh the biden administration accountable uh but andrew you know the way this works you've seen it you've done it yourself uh we're working every corner every neighborhood encouraging everybody to show up this is not the year to stay home if you if you think that things are great then maybe I'm not your candidate. But if you're worried about the future, if you're concerned about crime, if you're paying too much at the pump or at home for home eating, uh, you've got to get out and show up to vote. Uh, and uh, we're going to go to fight for you.
1: Well said, Mark Molinaro, folks. A ringing endorsement from me, Sid, everybody on this program. Bernard uh, Love Mark as well. He would give you the I same endorsement. It. Ringing endorsement for Mark Molinaro. Go vote for him in the 19th Congressional District in 13 days. And uh, we will talk after you win, Mark. Thanks for hopping on this morning, and thanks for the kind words about Bernard.
5: Oh, Bertie was great. God bless him, and thank you, Sid, for your book. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Go that's,
1: get him, Mark. Uh, that's a great you Mark Molinaro. And, uh, again, if, uh, if things go well, uh, he's going to win in 13 days, and we're going to start making changes, which we need desperately starting again in
0: two weeks. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. <laughs>
1: but I've gone nowhere. That goes out to Bernardi. Bernie McGurk here at WABC as we get set now in about 72 minutes head over to St. Patrick's Cathedral for the big 10 o'clock mass. Don't forget, 30 minutes for Charles McCord, the great Charles McCord coming up at 8, Peter King at 8.40. been a great show already. Andrew Giuliani's been tremendous from the very top. Joseph Aboud has been here, too. He's been great. Spoke to Mark Molinaro. Broke down all those debates from last night. Uh, Hochul and Zeldin. Zeldin kicked their ass. And uh, (laughs) Dr. Oz also beat the hell out of uh, Fetterman in Pennsylvania last night. And uh, Tudor did a good job up against Whitmer in Michigan. But uh, Bernie's looking down right now, and he's very happy because I'm joined by four other men in this studio. And I can say this uh, without any doubt. I know this. He loved all four of these guys. Andrew Giuliani to my left. Joseph Abood straight ahead of me. To Joseph Aboud's right, Corey Zelnick. And to Corey's right, uh, the great Pete Morgan, who, uh, if not for Pete Morgan, I don't know what we would have done. He sponsors everything. Yeah. Every time me or Bernie goes to the bathroom, it's sponsored by Pete Morgan. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Um, and all seriousness, we'll start with you, Pete, because uh, you guys, you were friends with Bernie longer than you're friends with me. Now, you mm-hmm. and I have gotten very close, but you and Bernie very close for a long time. And a lot of your business decisions, I'm going to put it out there, okay? I'm going to put it out there. A lot of your business decisions, especially with me and Bernard, came down to personally how you felt about us. You were going to roll the dice. You were going to take the chance because you loved Sid and you loved Bernard. Is that fair
12: to say? Sure. And I knew, and we've talked about it before, I knew when you guys got together, it would be a fantastic success. And um, there's no doubt about it. I mean, look at what you've done. Between the two of you, Louie coming back, it's been fantastic. And uh, Congratulations on that, and I couldn't be prouder. To oh, be associated thank you. With the program. Thank you. And you, you knew Bernard for how many years, Peter? A um, long time. Geez, I met Bernie and Lou a zillion years ago, back early radiothon days and stuff back at FAN.
1: I miss radiothon days. Yeah. yeah. Did he ever go to Marwa with you like I did and get drunk with Joe Beningle on Tuesday did, night?
12: As you know, Bernie was not a. Uh, he'd occasionally go to those golf outings and some of those events. Right. But if it wasn't mandatory, B was a no-show.
1: Uh, listen, I got news for you. When it was mandatory, he was a no-show, <laughs> too. Trust <laughs> me. I, but trust me. Uh, he would actually, we'd have things right outside the building.
12: Outside the building? Yeah, I, downstairs. I, I And he walk right past <laughs> me. Yeah. Oh, i go, what are you doing? Yeah, he might get yeah. home and get some sleep. Yeah. He's tired. Uh, you know? yeah. The craziest hours, the 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock uh, in the morning, nuts. text nuts. from him. And, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: But, and uh, Corey, uh, through Joseph Abood, you got to know me and uh, Bernie. You told the story just uh, last week that we went there one day for like a fitting uh, just to see the store, really. And you were a fan, and you—I guess you owned that book. Whatever it is,
4: you came downstairs to meet me and Bernard, and then you guys got extremely close. Absolutely, I, and as we talked about last week, it was—it was very important to me to have Joseph text me the minute you guys walked in the door. Yeah, so I, I mean, it was—I uh, was on watch. He was on watch, and I came—I came down, and like—and like I said, you know, Bernard's—Bernard's Bernard's in the back, and he's trying—he's trying on a suit, and he's standing on the pedestal, and I, I think I mentioned it last week, Joe. That uh, fill the tailors between his legs, taking his inseam measurements. What? easy now. And, uh, Calm down. We're truth tellers here. He's old enough. <laughs> um, um, even though he has a flaccid mic. I um, my that's, my. Other, that's a whole other story right there. Uh, we'll talk later. Um, and, then, and like I said, you know, Bernard's getting measured in, and I told him that I was, it was a fanboy moment for me to meet him because I've been listening to him since 86. I said, I know you for all of these years, and he stepped down off the pedestal to thank me. Yeah. And and it was very important, and it was very, you know, it it was so what Bernard was made of. And from there on, every time I came up here, we're hugging it out, and you you would leave the studio, and Bernard and I would be talking about physical fitness and working out, Mm. and family and the kids. You know, my daughter's in school, and he's talking about his. It's just wonderful. He's he's just a wonderful. Human being, and, True. you know, so sad that he's gone.
1: He was so happy that night that uh, you got me those tickets to see Dwayne Wade play his last game at Madison Square Garden because my kids grew up in Boca Raton and Gabe knew more about the Miami Heat. He was there when James Wade and Bosch got together. So, Gaby wanted to see Wade, and Gabe was a little boy. And Bernie was, like, so excited. How was that last night? What did he think of Dwayne Wade? And you made all that possible. So, thank you for that. And, by the way, you're wearing a Joseph blue jacket. I mean, Joe, you are so well represented in this studio It's today. unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. You know, I should get royalties. You should.
11: Pete Morgan's good, you, though. He's wearing a Rock <laughs> Lorraine. It, well, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. I worked for him, and well done. Well done. <laughs> Pete, Pete always looks good, though. He's got yeah. that. That stylish look, he always So okay. we really, not only do we have great guys, but we have great looking guys. And this is like a style fest. It is. Right now, isn't yeah. it? Everybody, I mean, and, and w- Peter we're King. definitely, wait, wait a minute, we're definitely metrosexuals because we're talking about velvet vests and pocket squares. Where, sure. where, else are you gonna, where else are you going to find that on talk radio? Um, <laughs> on, uh, the Gate Channel on Channel 18. On, uh, uh, Peter King looks great today, too. He's got a uh, oh, black
1: suit yeah. and a nice tie. He'll join us uh, momentarily. Yeah. Andrew, when was the first time you uh, actually met?
2: Do you remember? Was it,
1: I mean, you were probably a little boy. You know,
2: yeah, I, I, I actually don't remember, to be perfectly honest. As I, an adult, I can tell you. Know, though, I, can tell you I, I ended up sending him a text one of the first times that I filled in with you here this summer. And I just said what an honor it was to sit with him. And he sent back a, a beautiful text about uh, my future and about what yeah. he had From an expectation standpoint for me, but it was just very loving, and uh, and you could tell it was. uh, Like I said, even though I didn't get to know Bernard in a personal way, like so many of you did, certainly like you did, Sid, in such a personal way, where I mean, you're spending more time with with you guys and your your wives most of these days. Yeah, Uh, I felt like he was a part of the family because I chose to put you guys on the radio. That was a choice, by the way,
6: though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing, especially in, like we said, radio is intimate, but especially morning radio, because you're getting people at very intimate times when they're in the shower, right? Yep. You know, you're getting them while they're thinking about their day. So they're constructing their day and what they're going to do. And certainly people that have had incredible success like Joseph and Corey and Pete over here that have put together incredible plans with your businesses. When you choose to make them part of your day, you're actually really making them part of your life right. in the morning.
1: Yeah, that's oh, we'll true. And, and, Pete, you've been around this business for a long time. You have ads running uh, all the major stations. I did your ads at WFAN. I still do during the Giant Games. Uh, even in Boston, I'm doing a Patriot ads all over the <laughs> oh, country. Oh, no. Yeah, I heard you <laughs> on the fan the other day. It's yeah, matter matter doing the Giant Games. Game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now
12: yeah. the Maras the will be listening, and now they'll be yanked out. <laughs> 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 on.
1: But, but on a yeah. serious note, all these uh, personalities you've gotten to know over the years, including Don Imus, have you ever seen uh, more outpouring of love than for Bernard this last couple no, of weeks?
12: Honestly. And everybody, I, I've, I told you this before, I don't know whether it was on the air or off the air, but every time in the last year I went somewhere, the first thing they asked, they didn't give a damn how I was, and that's fine. Yeah, how's Bernie? How's Bernie? Yeah. How's Bernie? Yeah. How's that's Bernie? amazing. Or texts from people from around the yeah. country. How's Bernie? I heard he's sick. How's Bernie? It was unbelievable. And I mean hundreds and hundreds of people. And everybody out there, to Andrew's point, radio is so intimate, especially morning drive. You're getting your act together; they feel like you're part of their family. Yeah. you know, um, when when I'mis went off in 2007 for the uh, little hibernation, everybody was lost, right? Yeah. and that's exactly what happened here, right? They got so close to you guys; they feel like Jesus, this is my brother. Yeah, yeah. this is my yeah. this is my relative. Yeah, yeah. And you know, people are crushed by this, right, Pete?
11: You know, it's interesting. Where could a A kid, a Lebanese kid from the south end of Boston, and a Jewish kid from Brooklyn go to one of the greatest cathedrals. In the world at yeah. St. Patrick's. and yeah, yeah. well, honor our Irish friend.
1: Yeah, it's true. I'm actually, making, I'm actually making a tour of all the uh, churches across <laughs> yes. The, yes. Long is Island at his funeral now, St. Patrick's yeah. today. Since, uh,
12: since the biggest visitor to St. Pat's on the planet. <laughs> well, don't, don't,
1: I'm going to make that point up on that uh, stage yeah. today. I've actually been to more masses there than most uh, non Jewish people. Uh, he also loved physical fitness, Bernard, like me. Uh, I'm more of a weightlifter. He was more of a guy that ran, used his own weight. Uh, You, Corey, are getting set to run the New York City Marathon. Congratulations! Thank you, Danielle. Not doing it this year, but she's going to be there at the finish line as the ambassador. So she'll see you when you. And she's also going to be working at the Expo on Friday. That's exciting. And she contacted
4: contacted me the other day. Oh, good. And she made a donation. I'm very happy. Oh, good for your friends.
1: tell folks about uh, this race because Bernie loved to run too. Yeah. What you're doing and what you're raising money for?
4: So uh, you know, I decided at 58 to run my first marathon. I got very excited. You know, got got very excited. I wanted a challenge. I have a good friend, dear friend of mine for over 40 years, I know the family, who's 82 years old with ALS. Um, thankfully, he still has his voice, but everything else doesn't work. Right. He's uh, wheel- wheelchair-bound, and thankfully he has wherewithal, and they had to change their house, every, every, everything about it. Uh, but he's strong. He goes to work every single day. Five hours a day, he's off to the office. Uh, and I decided to do something uh, for him. Nice. Uh, I needed a re- I, Not that I really needed a reason, but I wanted one, I guess. I was looking for it, and I found it. And we did a challenge a few years ago and raised some money, and um, I I doubled up my ante, and I'm looking to hit $25,000 on our raise. We just crashed. Uh, Cross over twenty two thousand. Wow! And so yeah, that's so this good is good for you. Yeah, so if you hit my hit, hit up my Instagram, there's a link in the bio, and awesome. you can make a donation, and uh, and you know every little bit helps. As you know, as we try to raise money for various charities, my son all charity. The time, we, we, we
1: we actually have uh, the first ever uh, radiothon coming up this Friday. I didn't talk about it much because of today's events, yeah. but Danielle's going to be in studio this Friday. Oh great! Yeah, for dyspraxia for Gabriel coming up, and, and there's a whole other story. Gabe uh, got made fun of him playing volleyball yesterday. Came home crying, all, right. all that stuff. So would you? You're doing is great, and uh, go out there and beat Tiki Barber and Ashton Kutcher. They're both running (laughs) the race next Sunday. Uh, So uh, on the way out, I played a bit the other day when your father came on, Andrew, and it was Bernie talking to just random people in Times Square 20 years ago about the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky scandal. (laughs) One strange guy, second strange guy, third guy walks over. It's your father. (laughs) And Bernie's about two minutes in, he goes, Oh my God, this is Mayor Giuliani. And your father was so funny and appreciated Bernard and Don Imus so
2: much during that skit. I'm sure as a kid growing up, you heard a lot of Imus. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Dad always loved going on, whether it was Imus. He loved also going on Stern, the opportunities to do yep. that. I mean, yep. these were things he. And if you look at his inner circles, which is uh, like the White House press correspondence dinner, he used to do whole big shows <laughs> on this. You'd do Beauty and the Beast. That was the famous clip. Where he got dressed up as Marilyn Monroe I and know, Donald remember. Trump comes on over and uh, you know gives him a little uh, flirting with, if you will, right there. Put it that way. By the way, my mic is now erect. If you guys haven't noticed. So oh, well,
6: that was a great. Day all
2: of our That's
1: a great little time there with these uh, four tremendous gentlemen: Andrew Giuliani. Joseph Abood, Corey Zellnick, and Pete Morgan. I'm staring at a very handsome congressman, Peter King. He will join us next hour. And, of course, coming up next, 30 minutes, with one of the all-time greats, a Bernard favorite, and an I'm a sidekick, Charles McCord, back for his second stint with me here at WABC. We only have one hour to go, folks. We're done at 9 o'clock today. Keep it right here for a very exciting 8 o'clock hour on this Bernard McGurk Day on Talk Radio 77, WABC. <laughs>
3: Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC. Member SIPC. Bernie and Sid in the
0: Morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: favorite songs. This was introduced to me and Bernie by my beautiful wife, Danielle. She said, You got to hear this remake of Bad Company. This band is actually Five Finger Death Punch, and they do a kick ass version of this song. Man, that was a great two hours we just did. And uh, Andrew Giuliani from the very top, just terrific, breaking down last night's debate between Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul, and the debate from Pennsylvania, too, with uh, Fetterman and Oz. The Republicans won all of them, folks. Tudor beat uh, Whitmer in Michigan, too. And then, of course, all the guys in studio so far this morning, from Pete Morgan to Corey Zelnick to Joseph Abood, the great Congressman Peter King is sitting right outside the studio. He'll join us momentarily. But we're about two weeks removed now from that great tribute we did. I was on the air for six hours and 15 minutes that day for Bernard right after he passed away. And we had a bevy. A bevy of great guests. Big name guys. Guys from the I Miss Show and other places. And everybody loved every guest. I don't want to pick one favorite, but I'm going to. Because <laughs> the favorite that day was Charles McCord. Again, no disrespect to anybody else. But McCord came on. The ratings went through the roof. And as soon as McCord hung up, I swear to you, I'm not lying. <laughs> as soon as uh, he hung up, it was like, sit in McCord. No, no, Listen. He worked with Don Imus. Imus won five Marconis. He's one of the greatest of all time. You know, I'm just kind of getting started here, you know. And to be mentioned in the same sentence as Charles McCord, let alone working with Charles McCord, seems uh, surreal and ridiculous to me. But that was, that's a fact. People, you sounded great. You and McCord, you and McCord. So I said, let's do it again. Leslie Slender, who's been great with this, let's do it again. And uh, we're doing it again on this special day, the day of the Bernard Celebration at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Here he is. The biggest talent on the I Miss show—it wasn't I Miss, Charles McCord. Good morning, Chuck. It's your turn to talk now, uh, Charles. Charles. Uh, uh, Charles. Charles. You know he just—he just disappears. He <laughs> does the same thing with the phone, by the way. He'll text you, and then he'll go into the hills somewhere in the Ozark for like four hours. Charles, you get to talk now, buddy. Charles. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're
10: on the air.
3: I—I I, I, uh, yeah.
1: have real choppy
10: audio here, uh, yeah. Louis.
1: Okay. All right.
3: All
10: right.
1: But you sound fine. Do you hear me now, Charles? It said. Hi, Sidney. Now I hear you. Well, how are you, buddy? (laughs) I just did this whole beautiful, eloquent introduction for you. What are you doing? What what,
10: what are you doing? Uh, I am trying to listen to a program on this uh, stupid Opal powered by Comrex thing. Yeah. And uh, as I was told, Louis Ruffino, I said it was very choppy audio that I was getting, but now I'm hearing you, I think, okay.
1: All right, let's hope so. Because I remember coming in this morning and going, one thing that, uh, the I guess the, uh, where I was had it up on me was, he was in studio with Charles McCord, then it occurred to me that the I-Man spent a lot of time at his ranch out in New Mexico, and you were not in studio together, yet you still did great shows together. That's kind of similar to what you and I are doing now, except uh, you're in the, the mountains in the Ozarks or something, but... But it should still work, yes?
10: Uh, You know what? Um... (laughs) <laughs> We're probably going to have to try to reconnect. All right. Over okay. this thing because uh, because basically, Sid. Yeah. This sucks. It sucks.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it again. Let's let's get Peter King in here for a second. Okay. Let's have it. Charles.
8: I'm sorry. Uh, no, Let me okay. try this again. Yeah.
1: Well, try moving to a place that's got power. Damn it, Charles. Oh
3: God, where does he live? He lives
1: in the Ozarks. Oh <laughs> but, <laughs> but but not just in the Ozarks. Like the part there's like nothing going. I mean, nothing going on there. Right. Where do they like have to run down the the road to water. God, I mean, <laughs> could you imagine hating I miss that much and you move to a place with no electricity?
3: <laughs> I don't care where it is. I Let don't me, care. Get me
1: out. Yeah, I don't even want a house. Anyway, that's He will be back. That's uh, the great Charles McCord. And the beauty about this morning is I've invited so many people into the studio that one person leaves, another one comes in. Here he is. He's the great congressman, Peter King, on this show every Wednesday at 840 and looking like a million bucks. Has a suit on, has a beautiful tie and You were really, really close with Bernard, and um, really I became close with you, Peter. And we're very close now, but uh, because of Bernie, in fact, a lot of folks up here in New York uh, originally were friends with Bernard, and then I met uh, you guys through him, and we developed a friendship, but um, you and Bernard go
0: way back.
9: Yeah, I go back to the 1990s with Bernie. uh, Bernard McGurk was a legend in New York. He was always a great guy. I don't know anyone who said any bad things about him. People say bad things about you, about me. Of course. Everybody said bad things about Imus. The only,
1: Imus was the only one. He didn't say bad things. But, of course, after the Rutgers incident, he was uh, ready to throw Bernie under the bus. And Roger Rails and Bo Deedle made sure that wasn't the case. But we've, we've forgiven Imus for that. But outside of that, I don't know anybody who's... Although, wait a second, I shouldn't say that. Ed K. Shanahan at the New York Times. Oh, is
9: that horrible? <laughs> oh. that, that, that obituary was so horrible. I mean, uh, talk about... Focusing on one incident, taking that all out of context, and not saying what a great contribution Bernie made to New York to somehow tie him in eternally to Rutgers. And as you know, Bernie got a bad rap on that anyway. Of course. But so many other things he did. Now, you can have other people like you know, George Carlin, all these comedians who say the most vile things, you know, all racist, anti Catholic, anti Semitic, everything else. And when they get an obituary, they're, they're glorified to be saints. And uh, now it was so unfair. Uh, You know, you and I got excited about it. Bernie's probably laughing about it. Yeah, I know,
0: I know.
1: Well, that was the one thing about Bernard, with me especially... Because you know how I get. I get neurotic. I get angry in two seconds. I mean, I, I was furious that Lou was not going to be uh, on the altar today. I stage. heard that. Coming it doesn't in. make any sense. You've got to ask me about these things again, and no chance going to get mad. Sid, you work for, I don't care. You've got to come to me about these things, especially a day like today. You cannot have this go on today without Lou Rafino. So I tend to fly off the handle, and Bernard was always great at calming me
9: down. You know that. Yeah, well, first of all, I was stuck in traffic on the Long Island Expressway this morning listening to you ranting raving about <laughs> and raving at Lou Rafino. Then I come in here and say, Lou, you sort of Passes me by, you know. Then he, uh, you know,
1: he's there with his red shirt on and all that, you know. He's the only guy not dressed in a suit yet. He's got a suit here, he's going to change. Now,
9: now Lou is great, and you're right, he was part of that whole Imus family, which was so unique. It's really interesting for a guy who was on top, it was the people under him who were the really most beloved. No doubt, no doubt. Listen, you, Bernie, Lou, Charles, obviously. Rob
1: Bartlett, Mike Breen, Larry Kenny. Uh, One of the things Imus did well, uh, which probably he did better than anything else was he was kind of the master of the circus, and he put a lot of very talented people around him, incredibly talented people, much more talented than me, to be honest, and he was able to kind of put everybody in their right place. Right. And he was not the most talented guy on that show. He may have been smart, had great radio instincts, mm-hmm. but sometimes when you put talent around you, it's listen, uh, listen. Peter's like sports. right? When Phil Jackson had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, he won. When Phil Jackson had Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant, he won. When Phil Jackson came to New York, he was the worst coach in the NBA. It's who you put around you. You could appreciate that as a politician.
9: Yeah, no, it so much depends on, on the team you have around You know, take Joe Torrio, I think was a great manager from beginning to end, but he didn't get the results, so he was with the Yankees. That's right. And you know, so, Don't, don't uh,
1: forget, when he got hired by the Yankees, the headline of the New York Post read, and I quote,
9: Clueless Joe. I remember that, yeah. And then Steinbrenner tried to bring back, uh, you know, you uh, of Tory again and bring back uh, Buck Showalter. No, but the thing is, Joe Tory turned out, and he was all along. He was able, but now with the Yankees, he's able to show the greatness he had, what a great leader he was, and uh, certainly deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But you know, you're right. It's the people around you. And, again, I only met Imus a few times. I used to speak to him on the uh, radio all the time. And what I uh, enjoyed was, uh, appreciated more than anything, was Bernie would always call me first. And tell me what kind of a mood. Because I was wow. down in Washington. That was before you had streaming, before you had, even before MSNBC. And so I didn't know what kind of a mood I was. I didn't know what he was doing, you know. And so Bernie would tell me, yeah, he's, he, he's being a real jerk today. Or <laughs> right. oh, he's okay today. Or he's on his meds today. Or <laughs> oh, it's, you know, It was great. You really, you know, yeah. me and he said, but by the way, he said this about you before and everything. So, uh. Anyway, but he... Uh, he
1: warmed you up good, like in the bullpen. Yeah, a absolutely. Bernie was great with that. Uh, let me get to the, the last night's debate. Uh, we spent a lot of time, yep. the first hour, me and Andrew Giuliani talking about it. Uh, Lee Zeldin was on with me for 16 minutes yesterday when he hung up. I said, he's ready. This guy is ready to go. And with that said, I'm going to tell you, even with that said, he even over-exceeded my expectations. He was great. He was ready to answer any question. He had plans laid out. She came there with two things, Donald Trump and gun laws. She was flustered. She sounded unprepared. He sounded like the next governor of New York. What does Peter King think?
9: Yes. Uh, first of all, last night, I was at King Umberto's. Joe Cairo, the Republican lead, had a big Republican event at King oh, I Umberto's love that guy. restaurant. He drove, he was doing a great guy. And we had, had live streaming. And so it was a full crowd, well I had a couple hundred people there watching it. And I thought Lee was terrific, the best I've ever seen him. Uh, he was not at all tentative. Uh, maybe give uh, Andrew Giuliani credit for being a good sparring partner. You know, he yeah. got him ready for the. Yeah. But, I mean, last night, if you didn't know who was who and you just went in and looked at that, you would say, here's the veteran in Lee and here's this amateur, Kathy Hochul. But she was stumbling around and uh, even like on the cross-examination, constantly bringing up Trump, constantly bringing up guns and everything. First of all, if you want to get guns off the street, you let the cops do their job. I mean, when Giuliani became mayor, there were two million illegal guns in New York. And I don't know how many were there when he left, but the fact is the guys who had them were afraid to bring them out in the street. So, no, but Lee stayed on on crime and crime was obvious she didn't want to talk about crime. And she had a few sound bites. She tried to get in. And I thought, to me, uh, Lee just kept going, never let up. And at the end, and I've been in debates where you think you're doing well, you want to keep going. But when you're, if you're not, like, you're looking for the uh, – you're waiting for the bell to ring. Right. You can't, and that's the way she looked like. She wanted to be she over She wanted with. to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I, they I,
1: joked around, let's keep going. Yeah. Him and Errol Lewis. And I can't stand Errol Lewis. You know that. I can't I, I know stand it. I, know that. I know that. Yeah. But, but, again, it's kind of like with me and Trump. I didn't vote for him. I voted for Hillary. But it, uh, very, very quickly, I admitted I was wrong. And Trump turned out to be not a good president, but a great president. Same thing with Donald Lewis. I can't stand the guy. I've called him everything from a racist to a uh, to biased. I actually think he did a good job last night. And if you really paid attention, when they asked the questions, they put Kathy Hochul's feet to the fire
9: much more than Lee Zeldin. Yeah, the question is, though, even hostile, totally, which really were more, like, philosophical. The ones to how were really hitting home right. about money and payoffs and everything. Right, corruption, yeah, corruption. pay to yeah. play. Yeah. I mean, they they, they came at her heart. Right. New
1: York won, for what it's worth, and maybe it was just a one-night thing. I gained a lot of respect for those yeah. uh, guys, the guys last
9: night. I tell you, like, it didn't show how smart Kathy Hochul is to stay off... Uh, debates on uh, mainstream media. Right. I mean, she, she knew what she was going to be in for. But even, I don't think she was ready for that. She was not ready for Lee league coming on from beginning to end. He was like a guy, he was trained for a 15-round fight. She was round, uh, you know, ready for the four-round preliminary. That's
1: exactly right. The way you put that is a perfect uh, sports analogy. On the way out quickly, this segment, you got to know Kathy Hochul well over the years. You worked with Kathy Hochul. There was a time when you and I spoke where yeah. you actually thought she was pretty good, I'm a good politician. You have completely done a 180
9: on Hochul. Yeah, I am really disappointed. When I was chairman of the Homeland Security Committee in 2011 and 2012, it was the last time, uh, she was elected in a special election, I guess, in June or May of uh, 2011. She was assigned to the Homeland Security Committee. And I had some real left-wing Democrats on that committee. She gets assigned to it. She was great to work with. She was mainstream, and she was the county clerk in Erie County. She wouldn't give driver's licenses to illegal immigrants. I mean, she was really tough. Her husband was a big prosecutor in some terrorist cases. You could talk with her, and she just seemed like a normal— that was the word I used to, was Kathy Hochul's a normal person. You can work with her. And uh, John Kaczmatidis and I were with her uh, out, out in the Hamptons the Saturday before she became governor. Hmm. She came by, and again, she seemed like you know, the old Kathy Hochul that I knew. I don't even recognize her now. Yeah. She's in, so, she is more liberal than Andrew Cuomo ever dreamed oh, of Oh, not even close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Maybe yeah.
1: more than Bernie Sanders. All uh, right, we got the uh, Lou Dobbs Business Report coming up next. Still here, we've got uh, Joseph Abu, we've got Pete Morgan, we've got Corey Zelnick, we've got Peter King, and we will get some more of Charles McCord as well. He'll be back. All that before I leave at nine o'clock. Make my way with all of my friends here to St. Patrick's Cathedral to honor my dear friend, the great Bernard McGurk. Keep it right here, folks. More of the Morning Show on ABC with some more Five Finger Death Punch right after this. We'll see-
0: This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report.
13: Wall Street today coming off its third straight winning session. Investors continue to weigh key technology earnings reports and new economic data this week. Microsoft beat top and bottom earnings targets but missed on third quarter cloud revenue. The stock down 2% in extended trading. Alphabet shares down as well. And after hours, Google's parent company missing Wall Street targets for earnings and revenue. YouTube advertising down about 2% last quarter. Facebook's meta-platforms headlines today's technology earnings. Revenue is forecast to have fallen more than 4% from the previous quarter. A slowdown in digital advertising has affected the entire sector. Elon Musk's Twitter takeover will be completed Friday, the deadline previously set by a Delaware judge. The Tesla billionaire met with banks this week to shore up the $13 billion in debt financing. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77WABC. This is the TheLew.com. Financial Report.
0: Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE.
1: can't believe what I'm looking at right now. I mean, I, I'm, Joseph Aboot is in studio, the great men's fashion designer. In my opinion, the greatest of all time, and I wear his clothing all the time. But Peter King, this is the epitome. This is the epitome of sucking up. I, I mean, he's actually wearing a tie today, which is a <laughs> lovely tie. He looks like a million bucks. The tie is
9: made by John Katsimatidis? I tell you but let me just say something about Joseph Buda. In the Catholic Church, if you have three miracles, you automatically become a saint. Right. He has performed one by making you look good <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: funny. Thank that's
9: you, funny.
1: To go up on stage and say that author—I should say the author—not on stage. But that really is a John Katzamitidis yeah, time. Yeah, he
9: makes us a, a line of ties. Yeah. He's, he's at, at, at least three that I'm aware of, yeah. That's unbelievable. I want one of those ties. It's a very nice tie. Yeah, right, no, I never knew that. Not, I yeah. never knew he, that. He well, only ow. gives them to nice guys. Yeah. So yeah. You're right. yeah. That's yeah. Nice. I'm not going right to get that. one. But, well, if yeah. he
1: gives them to nice guys, uh, this man back on the phone would have all, every tie he owns, and that is Charles McCourt. I have to tell you, over the years, many years that I worked with Charles, I never saw Charles wear a tie. In fact, we were just talking about it moments ago. Charles, his best outfit was a pair of khaki pants and the same blue blazer. That he bought I think when he was like fourteen years old. that was as dressed up as Charles ever got now living in the Ozarks. I could just imagine what he wears every day. uh Charles, do you still have that blue blazer you wore for every Imus event i do I think the question is, do I
10: still have a blue blazer the same one you wore and an- yeah and the answer is uh actually i I do <laughs> now. Uh, now I'm not wearing it at the moment. At the moment, I'm wearing, let's see, today's t shirt simply says, <laughs> uh, s- s- this is it. I, I have to read it upside down, Cindy, so <laughs> understand? And, uh, hi, Joe Abood, I love you. Charles, so now that's, uh, now that's out of the way.
4: I, I,
11: I, <laughs> I love you too, Charles, and I can't tell you how much I miss you.
10: <laughs> My, this t shirt simply says, socialism. You make it, they take it.
1: Oh, uh, uh, that's funny. Well that, that is that, that is one of the best kept secrets about you, Charles, is that all the years and, and and all the superlatives that we we hurl you away and deservedly so, but uh, you're able to hide this all these years. You are a, a socialist, almost a communist, is that right, Charles? <laughs>
10: <laughs> I'm sorry, Sidney. You, you, you. I, I, and this sounds like a bit, but you actually did. You actually did drop out again. Oh. And so I, I heard something about communists. Now, now, I heard a Ramsey Subaru commercial a little while ago. Yeah. But interrupting the Ramsey uh, uh, Subaru commercial, there was something about crystal meth. And drug no, no, smuggling. No, no, no. And I no, knew no. that had absolutely nothing no, no, to no, no. do no, with no. Ramsey Subaru. Sweetheart. But, th- but yeah. let me just explain to you what's going on. I'm getting some kind of weird cross audio. <laughs> yeah. Well, and no. I don't, uh, it's, it's the strangest freaking
1: thing I, 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 that I can imagine. Charles, sweetheart, it was not crystal meth. It's a place in New Jersey called well, the Crystal Springs Resort. Now, if you went there and did <laughs> crystal meth, that's up to you, sweetheart. But there is no crystal meth commercials on WABC. It was, Are you it was
10: some, some dude talking about we got to re- repeal some act and we've got to return uh, law and order to the streets and some uh, uh, and i said w- where is this coming from <laughs> because i i know it I, I could recognize that it wasn't joe Abood no it right. wasn't you so i don't know where that was coming well from.
1: Well, well, i've also got uh, andrew giuliani in studio right now rudy son oh number. really yeah yes. say hello Andrew. charles mccord charles great uh great honor to be with you here it's a bigger
10: honor to be even heard by you. So that I, I appreciate that very much, Andrew. It's, a, it's an all-star cast
1: in here. I've got Joseph Aboot. I've got Andrew Giuliani, the Congressman Peter King, uh, Corey Zelnick, Pete Morgan. Now, by the way, crime is a huge issue here in New York, Charles, where you used to live. But I have to imagine where you live now which no one can find you, by the way, nobody. Pablo Escobar should move them with you uh, in, in, the, in the Ozark somewhere. Is there any crime, any anything bad going on where you live today? Anything? Is that the question? The question uh, uh, before
10: the panel is, is anything bad it's, going it's, on where I live He's got I to repeat every, every Ozark. question
1: I ask. He's got to repeat every question. Yeah, I, yes. You know why?
10: Because I'm only getting, like, a little snatch here. All
6: right.
10: And then I hear something that sounds like, and so, Charles, do you, start <laughs> and so do you, Chuka? Booed, and that I have Andrew, Ani and the. I swear to you, that's what I'm hearing, and, and it makes oh, it very difficult to follow a conversation. Oh, that
1: was funny. I feel like
10: Joe Biden trying to follow a conversation. For God's sake,
1: that was really funny how you did it. But seriously, there's no crime issue in your area, right? You're fine. You're in the mountains.
10: Is is crime an issue here? Yes. Out out, out here in the Ozarks. Yeah. Of course, crime's an issue here. Really. Um. Crime's an issue everywhere. It is just not. It, 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 we haven't seen the dramatic surge, obviously, in small town America that we have in Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Atlanta, New Orleans, St. Louis, and like that. But uh, so we're spared that. We're kind of insulated a little bit from uh, from, from from the breadth of the crime that we. Right. I do
1: watch that show, uh, Uh, The Ozarks, and uh, at least on the TV show on Netflix, which does very, very well, mind you. It seems to be a haven, The Ozarks, for drugs. Uh, A lot of uh, 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 drug—they make a lot of the drugs right there in The Ozarks that they actually— a deal around the country. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but I would ask you this. Donald Trump, when you were still on the air with Imus, Imus would kind of go back and forth, Charles. One day he would love him. or oh, he'd be a great pleasure. Next day he was a blubber titty guy. Uh, when it was all said and done, Charles McCord, what did you think of the job that Donald Trump did?
10: <laughs> Sydney, I'm sorry. Uh, it, uh, we really are going to have to terminate this because I, I know you were asking me something regarding uh, Imus. And that's all I know, because uh, the, yeah. the the conversation dropped out entirely. Okay. Well, let, 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 let's let's make it. And a- that- you're dropping out right now. Okay. It's
1: okay. gone. All right. Well let's, well, let's get back to Charles on a different, make sure this thing works, okay? He was actually very funny there when he did the uh, kind of in and out voices and all that. I wonder what he had to say about Donald Trump, but uh, that's fine. 1 800 848 WABC. We'll come back with the whole panel of guys here. We'll close it out, then we'll start walking over together. Me, Andrew, Joseph, Peter, Corey, and Peter. Two great peeps in the studio
0: right now. I want to rock! <laughs> Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Lou Ruffino, he kinds of no, no Bernie, playing all the Bernie's favorite music, folks, at 844 on your Wednesday morning, it's been a terrific show. Andrew Giuliani joined me at 6 o'clock, and we broke down that yeah. Zeldin win over Hoka last night. It was a resounding victory. It was, as I mentioned earlier, Super Bowl twenty-four when the Niners beat the Broncos, 55-10, to 10 was more competitive. When Mike Tyson knocked out Mike Spinks, that, it was 28 seconds, by the way. That was more competitive than the uh, debate last night. It was all Zeldin all night, and if he doesn't win in 13 days, I got news for you in New York. You deserve exactly what you're going to get because he is clearly... Clearly, the much better candidate and has New York's best interests in heart. Her, I think she wants to make money. I think she likes the job. Her husband makes money. So that's all she's all about, is making money and the Buffalo Bills. I mean, nobody loves sports more than me. Nobody. And she spent 10 minutes talking about how important the Buffalo Bills are to New York. Yes. I mean, zeldins going, they're going to leave. They're, they're not leaving. Of course they're not leaving. Do you believe that we spent 10 minutes last night talking about the Buffalo Bills? And I love football. That's Kathy Hochul. So we talked about that, but then all these other guys joined me in studio. Joe Abood, Peter King... Corey Zelnick and Pete Morgan, and in about 15 minutes, once Lou gets dressed, we're going to make our way over to St. Patrick's Cathedral. Sid, can I say something? Sure.
9: 8, 8.40 is supposed to be my segment alone. Yes. I don't <laughs> mind showing you with Joe or Corey. Or Pete, but I have to put up with Andrew Giuliani too. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, in crazy, fairness, you got the short the today. He did.
1: But but you know what? He didn't only because what he left out was he had the solo segment at 8 o'clock. Oh. Because McCord <laughs> kept up. Uh, but you're right. This is usually your segment, 8.40. You do a tremendous job every week. We're going to make over in about 15 minutes we're all here now on the way out and uh i'm getting a load of text people enjoying the show enjoying all you guys because you know again bernie and i were very very close everybody knows that but he loved all you guys too and all you guys had a great relationship with bernard as well some of you guys over 20 years uh you joseph you peter you pete morgan so it's important you guys are here today and like we've talked about all morning guys unlike the funeral which was rough it was rough and i spoke there me Deedle and mike breen and then the cemetery afterwards, it was rough. That's not what today's all about. It's not supposed to be. A celebration of a great man and a great life. So let's go around the room and say a few things about Bernard. Uh, before we get out of here, we, we'll wrap up, we've already wrapped up our... Uh, debate coverage. And let's start with you, Joseph Abood. Um, sure. you've, uh, you've known Bernie for almost 30 years. Over 30 years. Over yeah. 30 years. Yeah. So your, your relationship dates all the way back to the early
11: 1990s. Yeah. Tell us a bit about uh, your friend Benoit McGurk. You know, Bernie was such a rock on the Imus show because it was crazy. That show was insane. But Bernie was always there. He would call me after a tough appearance with Imus. He was such a gentle spirit. You know, he came off as a tough guy. He knock the hell out of Sid in the fight. Oh, be quiet. Beer at the pier. <laughs> um, Take your but, best back. But, but i got to tell you something. It's really hard when you lose a friend like that. We weren't tight. He wasn't really available all the time. But I will tell you, when you needed him, he was there. And, and I love Bernie. And that's why I'm wearing white today. Because in Asian cultures... You celebrate someone's life. You're Asian? I thought you were Lebanese. Well, I'm Lebanese, but I love the Asian culture. Okay, great. And, <laughs> and I have to just tell you, that's why we're going to celebrate oh. today. We're I not... thought you were wearing white because you are a
1: virgin. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's very sweet, actually. And you look beautiful today. Well, And thanks. you've helped me again because... Uh, I came in with a, a a vest of yours, which is gorgeous—a blue velvet vest, yeah. beautiful. But now you've provided me with a cream vest to go with the blue, which really is an eye popper. We're
11: going to make you look like the Prince of Wales today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My that daughter was is the in goal, Wales and that's not speak. easy,
11: Pete. That may be the yeah. second miracle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter is in Wales, as we speak, it's yes, funny you exactly would mention that. that. Exactly.
1: Uh, Peter King, you go back a long way, you know. And I told you about this a couple of weeks ago. There's always, Bernie would always talk. I'm going to go meet Shine, uh, Peter King at Shine's, and have a right. beer. And the truth is, you guys never once went to Shine's together, but people all across this area think you were there with Bernard McGurk a million
9: times. I have people who told me they've seen me at Shine's with Bernie. So it's, a, it's one of those stories that started out. Uh, I, I see Bernie down in Long Beach. Uh, every year there's an Irish parade in October, the St. Bernard's Day parade. And I used to, again, talk to Bernie on the air. With, uh, I must know all But you see this tall guy just standing in the crowd everybody else. You never know. He was Bob McGurk. He was just yeah. standing like another Irish guy along the way, you know. And the favorite bar was Shine's. We always ever going to you know end up at Shine. No, but he was just great in every way. I had the opportunity to co-host with him a number of times. He's the most regular guy in the world, and also as smart as anyone you'll ever yeah. want to meet. And uh, you know, Joe was right. Uh, uh, Bernie could be tough, and he could really look at you going to tear you apart. But down deep, he was a real soft-hearted guy. Mm-hmm. He was really a gentle guy and a wonderful guy. And and he, again, he, to me. Uh, uh, Bernie is what New York is all about, in every every yeah. which way. Yeah,
1: you and uh, I love the fact that you were as angry as I was a couple of weeks ago when Ed Shanahan wrote that obituary in the New York Times.
13: Absolutely horrible, disgraceful. yeah, despicable, yeah.
1: Terrible, and you went right to uh, social media. Well, to the talk thing is, about I said
9: it. you and I get all excited. Bernie's laughing about it. Right. That's <laughs> true. <thing. laughs>
1: yeah, he never got upset about something. I would get frustrated. He'd be like, come on, man, get pissed. He goes, no, that's not for me. Uh, Andrew, now you uh, know Bernie for uh, a short amount of time, yeah. but Bernie's relationship with your family goes back a long way. I, I told you earlier when I played that bit earlier in the program uh, a couple of days ago, actually, where he's in Times Square. Now he's talking about Clinton and Lewinsky twenty something years ago. Right. He's talking to random strangers on Forty Second Street. One guy. <laughs> Walks over, <laughs> second guy walks over, and the third guy that walks that's over, that's generally was your what happens. Giuliani hops in,
2: <laughs> in that you know random strangers bit. Yeah. Right. Peter King knows that all too well. But he, but he, yeah, yeah, Peter does. And your father was
1: hilarious in that, and and he was he got such a kick out of Bernie and Imus even all the way back then. So even as a little boy in your household, you heard the name of Bernie and, and all those guys.
2: Absolutely, and and you know when I had the opportunity to sit in for him a couple of months ago here with you, I, I just shot him a, a quick text, knowing that obviously he was going through what he was, and just saying was quite an honor, and just a little piece of what he sent back to me was, uh, it was an honor to have you sit in for me with Sydney. but I'd much rather see you in a position of power, exhibiting leadership qualities on display like during the campaign. We need men like you out there fighting for this country as the opposition sadly continues to make inroads in our sacred land. God bless and Godspeed, Bernard. To me, that shows that he still, on his deathbed, cared about this country, he cared about the future of this country and of this state. And uh, you felt that as somebody who was a listener, who was a consumer of Bernie and Sid for all those years. You could feel his love that he had for New York and for the United well, States. Well, let me
1: know a secret. When the, uh, when the whole Republican race for governor started, I was in the Zeldin camp. He was in the Astorino camp. By the time you were done, Andrew, we were both in the Giuliani camp. Now, I still love Zeldin. And since he won the primary, I've been his number one guy. You know that. Uh, and Bernie still loved Astorino. But the truth is, the truth is, both of us went your way, and he couldn't find enough superlatives most mornings to describe
2: what you had done the night before, either in a debate or that day out there stumping. He loved what you did during that campaign. Well, he loved that's, it. that's an honor, and you've even made a Giuliani speechless, which may be the second miracle.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Corey Zelnick. So you would walk
1: into this uh, studio, and you would try to convince me and Bernard despite all the Forenz signs and just about every other store up and down Broadway and, you know, people leaving by the droves, you know, thousands of people leave every single day. And you would come in every day and you would make this impassioned speech with a couple of real statistics that New York was, in fact, doing fine. And you would walk out and Bernie would say, man, I love that guy, but he's out of his mind. Uh, (laughs) But you kept coming back. (laughs) But he really did love you. You guys developed a relationship going back to Joseph Abut's store years ago. And uh, you kept it going for, for a bunch of years, and he really did appreciate you.
4: Yeah, no, and, and I appreciate him uh, imme- immensely. And, you know, I have, I have the late run of Bernie. It's been about the last six or seven years since we first opened the store. And, and we, we grew tight through, through the, the beatings he would put on me yeah. about my spirit in New York. Yeah. And if you remember, when we first started in the early parts of COVID, there was nothing going on, and I had to throw you stats. And I had them, and not that I'm armed with them all the time, but I had real stats. And the thing was then, we were just talking about COVID and the problems of COVID. And what built after that, unfortunately, has become the crime.
1: Which, we... which, by the way, you know very well because your
4: beautiful wife, Jessica, was a victim of that herself on the Upper East Side. I know. You know, victim's a strong word. But, yes, yeah, she was walking down the street, 81st Street, with, with my stepson. A guy walking in the other direction just shoved her.
3: Well, they fell victim. over.
4: Thankfully, they weren't hurt. That's a victim. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's and a just, victim, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, I feel you. And, yeah. ju- and they just kept walking. So, so you know, Bernard, Bernard and I would go at it, you know, very, very peacefully because mm-hmm. we're two guys, you know, we're also from New York. I'm a, I'm a Queens and Manhattan guy my whole life, you know, and he's up in the Bronx. And so we shared a lot about the city. And it was always great to do that with him. And I appreciate the banter. Yeah. And I think I said this last week when I was on. What I always loved about Bernard from a <laughs> listener, going back 35 years, which I, which I have been, uh, to today, or prior to today, was that you, there was always a takeaway from Bernard. Mm. When you listen to the show, there was always a takeaway because he was just that smart. Yeah, he
1: was. And it was common uh, yeah. sense and it was practical, yeah. but it was yeah. a great takeaway. Uh, quickly in 30 seconds, uh, you still high on New York? You still feeling like it? Love it. Now give, I me love a, it. G- give all of us here, give Aboud and Giuliani and King and Morgan a statistic that will convince them that uh, things are on the
4: upswing. Uh, 75% office occupancy, the workers are back. That's not true. Yeah, it's a fact. No, it's, really? not, it's not even close. Yes. Uh, let me tell you lie. why. Let me tell you why. Well, Peter, he's let, lying. Let me, tell, <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you why. Yeah. Let me tell you why. Yeah. Because that stat that has been thrown around by your mayor, Mr. Adams, right. my mayor as well. Your friend, yeah. Okay? Yeah. He happened to... That statistic did not include about 80 million square feet of office space. All the biggest landlords in the city were not part of that statistic. Wow. They did not feed it. So now, now that... Those numbers are coming to pass. And this has been in the Post. There's about 75% office occupancy, which is helping Midtown, okay? And you guys were talking about it earlier. Tourist, yeah. tourism yeah. is back to pre-pandemic levels. Really?
9: Pre- now, Peter Fat. King These and the Julian.
1: Pete, you look shocked by
9: this. Home. No, no, I can see it. I think the main uh, stat about New York is that Bernie and Sid is the number one show in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else is nonsense.
1: Pete Morgan, a lot of years, man. WFAN, here at WABC, and even when we wanted to put up a feature that you knew wasn't going to work, I mean, let's be honest, you'd say, okay, Pond, I'll give you $10,000, i will give you $20,000. Uh, that's the type of friendship we've had, you, me, and Bernie, where you would place uh, our friendship even above sometimes your own business dealings because you just wanted to be involved with us, and that included Bernard for longer than even me, for almost three decades. You
12: know, one of the r- words you'd use to describe Bernie is loyal, and uh, I've been loyal That's one of the things I really appreciate in people. And he's loyal. And he called and thanked every time we did something to support him, support you, support the show. It's going way back. I mean, back to when I go visit Lou and Bernie back in the control room and just hang out for a couple hours just to beat the traffic, right? But I'll tell you this. First and foremost, he was a family guy. So on Father's Day morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, I get a note. I get a text. This past June. Happy Father's Day to a great dad and a great guy, Pete. Enjoy. I love you. Well, there's no better dad, there's no better guy, there's no better friend than any of us will ever have than B.
0: Well, that was beautiful. Thank you for reading all those texts, you and uh, Andrew. That was really nice.
1: And uh, Louis will be there, too, Rufino, who's a friend of Bernard for longer than any of us, by the way, close to 40 years. So, Lou, you've been, uh, you've been so great the last couple of weeks. And I thank God every day that you're back with us and that you had the chance to work with Bernie before he passed away and that you continue to work with me every day because you're, um, to say you're great is the understatement of the year.
3: Well, I thank God I'm back with you guys and that I got a chance to work with him again for the last year. And it's a, uh, Look at everybody that's in the, con- in the studio. That's yeah. the, that is how you judge Bernard, yeah. right there. Yep. That's how you just look at all the people that he touched. He touched all these lives and everybody that's worked with him. And above everything else, all the accolades, how smart he was, funny as hell. He was simple and humble. Yep. And he just, he didn't, he didn't want the attention. He just wanted to be who he was. And I had so much fun working with him for all those years. He taught me a lot. He helped me a lot. And as I think I've said before, I would not have been able to do the things I did, work without him, and surviving in the atmosphere that we worked in. Everybody knows it. And we had great times and crazy times, and I'm going to miss him forever. And I love him, and I want him to rest in peace. And my condolences to the whole family, and I love him forever. Thank you, Lou.
1: Uh, nice. Lydia, that was beautiful. Lydia Serrano is coming up next. I want to thank everybody here. Andrew, from the beginning of the show, great stuff on the debate too. You really terrific. Both debates, Federman and Oz, and Hochul and Zeldin. But she said so the first
9: you. two hours with Andrew were kind of slow. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, in <laughs> spite of Peter
9: King. You know, he's on me. fire today, by the way. He <laughs> yeah, was
2: like, he's like George Collin today. He's over here. For a Mets fan who's had his team, two Mets fans,
1: We
12: can't say anything, ball ball Andrew. Yeah, that debacle. Great That's
1: job, Andrew Giuliani, Joseph Aboud, Peter King, Corey Zelnick, Pete Morgan. Thanks to Mark Molinaro. Good luck, of course, in 13 days in District 19. Charles McCord, we had some uh, issues today. He'll be back on Monday on a phone line of course, thank you to my whole crew as well. Macedonia, Phil, Justin, Ellick, Lou Rafino, the best ever. Deb Valentine, terrific job today. Noam Layden, Frank Diaz, and everybody else. We're going to make our way, folks, right now over to St. Patrick's Cathedral. Hopefully we'll see many of you driving in right now at 10 o'clock this morning to celebrate our dear friend, the great Bernard McGurk. Bernie McGurk, they here on WABC. Thanks for listening, folks. From all of us to all of you until 6 a.m. tomorrow. Good night, Bernie.